Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate feeling depressed. And my name's Kyle and today I hate when my brother feels depressed. <laughs> so you've been down the past several weeks more so like just because of exhaustion and stress and all that other stuff. Yes. And so you, you've you handed it over to me, so I really appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Negativity like is contagious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's. I've been having a problem the past couple of weeks for a lot of different reasons, but it, it kind of manifests into me feeling apathetic. So it's not like typical depression where... I, like, am incapable of doing anything. It's just that I don't want to do anything. And so I just, like, waste my time. Like, last weekend, you know, I have Guacamelee 2 to play. I have all these movies I wanted to watch and TV shows to start. And, I mean, besides writing my blog and doing all these other things that I wanted to do that would be fun for me. And instead, like, I didn't do jack shit last Saturday. I just, like, sat on the couch. Or I guess it was Sunday because this was – because Dad was here last weekend. So it was Sunday after he had left. So I just, like, watched Seinfeld all day. It's just, like... And then afterwards, I regret it because I feel like I wasted the free time that I get. And then this weekend, I just have a bunch of crap that I have to do. I mean, we're doing the podcast Saturday morning. And then I'm going to uh, a buddy of mine's having a reception uh, from his wedding that I went to in Chicago. But they're doing a reception in Atlanta for all their family here. So I'm going to go say hi to them. Okay. And then tomorrow, I'm helping my sister-in-law move, which, you know happy to do it but it's not like i'm like super pumped to go help her move you know (laughs) right so i just have like a bunch of things that i need to do that are beyond me chilling out and getting myself right you know like spending some quality shea time so it's 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 just it's it's tough i'm just having a apathetic go of it (laughs) i was gonna say having a rough go of it but i don't even have the energy to like be mad that i'm having a hard time i'm just so like yeah yeah that uh, I get hit with that a lot where like you you're super busy and your time is like being taken up so you don't really think about like what you're going to do with your free time and then you get like a night of free time and you're like I don't really want to do anything and then you like you feel bad because you feel like you wasted your time by like yeah. doing something that was like I mean, regardless, it's not going to be productive, but, like, you're not working on your game backlog. You're not reading, right. like, your comic backlog or, like, books that you need to read. You're just doing something that you've done before. You're just repeating old steps or old experiences yes. just because that's what's comfortable uh, and, and what's it's easy. Kinda, it's kind of different for me because I'm a big planner. Like, yeah. I, I know when I'm going to have my time, and I want to plan out what I'm going to do at that time so that I get the most of it. And I just like planning ahead. I like thinking ahead about stuff. That's just my personality. But for me now, it's not that I'm going into like, oh, Friday night, what am I going to do? It's, oh, it's Friday night. I know what I'm going to do. But then when it gets to it, I don't want to do it. That's what the problem is. Okay. And it's not because I don't want to do it because like it won't be fun. I just don't want to do it because I don't want to do anything. It's just – it's I, – I, I get – bouts of this and there's other stuff going on in life with my job and some other things that make me feel this way well they don't make me feel anything it's in it's in my power i know that but i feel this way because of those other things happening and i hate i hate getting into this because i go it's like a whatever those graphs are that are the waves where like i have i go up and down and up and down and i'm on a downward sign right now cosine sure yes generate waves yeah, 
So I I need to break out of it. The good news is there are two things going on right now that are really helping me break out of it. Okay. The first, because I know you have a story to tell as well, so I'll say the first one and then we'll go into the second one. Okay. The first one is that football is back. We don't need to talk a lot about this. Mm -hmm. I know you don't care about football. But for me, football is one of my favorite times of year. It's 17 weeks plus another, like, six or seven weeks for the playoffs where that's what I want to do on Sundays is just sit down on the fucking couch, drink some beers and watch some football. So the opening game of the season was on Thursday, Falcons and Eagles. I live in Atlanta, but I'm not a Falcons fan. I don't dislike them, but I don't really cheer for them a lot. It was a terrible, terrible game. Tons of penalties, bad offense, really more so good defense than bad offense but it was not a great game to watch plus it was delayed like 40 minutes because of the rain but it was still football (laughs) and that's what (laughs) matters to me and i had all my fantasy football drafts so all those are underway first game of the season with those i'm in six leagues this year which is too many because i'm already having trouble keeping track of what players i have on what teams trying to watch what guys i want to pick up from what's called the waiver wire which is like guys that aren't on anyone's team that anyone can grab and like i'm forgetting who's available in what leagues so i'm in bad shape thankfully only two of the leagues are paid leagues i'm in a 50 dollar league which my team is terrible i'm not going to win that league and i've i've already given up and then our home league that i do with dad and kelly my wife is in it uh father-in-law brother-in-law some friends and family of them our home league we decided to do a 40 dollar buy-in this year and we this is the fourth year of that league so in the previous three years i have finished first fourth and first so i'm dominating that league is that the one you had that trophy for that ridiculous hell yeah spray hell yeah trophy yeah man yeah (laughs) kelly i think it was kelly and her mom made it's it's a I mean, it's like a, it's a trophy, but it's made out of beer cans and beer bottles and like red solo cups and they spray painted everything gold and they put a bunch of like beer bottle caps all around it. It's amazing. They did a great job with it. (laughs) So is that like the current, like, is that like having the title belt? So like the current holder, like the current person who won gets it and it passes on between people. So I have, I have gotten to keep it for the past year. So it's been standing proudly on our liquor table in our living room for the past year and hopefully will remain there when we move into our new home next year uh when i win the league again but point being of course i've won the league twice out of three years and now the year that we're gonna have a buy-in where we can actually win money something shitty's gonna happen i'm gonna like lose my top players to injury and i'm gonna get fucked and finished in last place because this is the year it actually matters and my team's gonna end up sucking i can feel it already there's the there's the negativity coming back in. <laughs> but so I'm just super pumped that football is back. It does cheer me up. Tomorrow on Sunday I'm helping my sister-in-law move, obviously, but then we're going over to the in-laws and we're just gonna watch football all day. It's gonna be really good, so I'm excited for that. So nice. what about you? Um so last year I had quite a few kids in the theater program um graduate, and one of them, he's total goofball, but ever since he was little, he's wanted to be a Marine. Um, and like, he just had like a lot of doubt going into it and like people that were doubting him. And I was always like the first person to be like, dude, just like you got it. You have to go for it. Cause if you don't at least go for it and do your best, you're going to regret it. Um, and so he called me like a few weeks ago, uh, and told me that he made it like he, 
he passed the crucible test awesome um and like went through graduation at the end of last month and then he was in town for like 10 days Mm -hmm. um i think by the time this goes up he'll be leaving in like two days or something um he'll be being redeployed but um yeah so i got to like uh i got to have kind of dinner with him i bought him dinner and then he came to our first read through of um of the fall play and just kind of talked a little bit about theater's influence on him and stuff and it's cool yeah so it was, that was nice it was nice i'm i'm proud of the kid he yeah. and like because he, he's like this tiny bean pole and then i saw him <laughs> at b-dubs and he's fucking swole wow he's that's thick that's cool. man yeah and he, well, he don't was telling say me, thick well you know thick like t-h-i-c-c yeah that's like the yeah but that's like the sexy like curvy I mean, that's what that means. He's looking good, dude. <laughs> Lady's gonna be swimming. fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, so he said like there was there was another person in his platoon who um uh who was also like uh, into theater in high school. So he mm-hmm. those two guys kind of like bonded a little bit over that and kind of got yeah. to swap stories a bit and um kind of use that as like a, a connection. And I always used to do these exercises because he would always be the one who would break in scenes. Um, like break character and laugh or whatever, and I would always do the exercises where I make them stand like six inches apart from each other and stare at each other. And okay. if one person laughs, they have to like start over on the timer, and so they have to like make it like a full three minutes without laughing. Mm. Um, so I, I did that several times with him, and he would always break. And so <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, that was like really good training for being yelled at by my drill okay. instructors and stuff, okay. and, like not breaking because yeah. you're not supposed to." Um, he's like, I broke a couple times and got the crap beat out of me, but, uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I think, I think that helped. So that was, that was funny. He had a lot of really, really interesting stories. So good for him, man. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, obviously, uh, good for him for serving the country, but also for like having a goal and accomplishing that goal. I'm sure that that's really satisfying and, yeah. and like cool for you to be able to see that journey as well. That that's really neat. Yeah. That was really valuable for me. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we can kind of dive into things because, you know, I mentioned two things that were kind of pulling me out of this apathy, one being football and the other being Marvel Spider-Man, which I started playing just last night when I got home from work. It's a very good video game. I love Spider-Man. It's probably my favorite comic book character. So I'm only about two hours in. I'm still pretty early. There was a lot of tutorializing of um, the different types of activities you can do. Because, boy, like, this is an open world game. And it is an open-ass world, open world game. Like, everything you would expect in this type of game, this game does. It has all the kind of side activities and exploration and uh, random collectibles and all that kind of crap. Which... Like, it's not, I, I, on the negative side, like, it's not doing anything particularly new with this genre of game, but it's doing all of those things very well in a very polished manner with the best web swinging ever. So Spider-Man 2 is always the game that people go back to of, like, this is the game that made me feel like I was Spider-Man, swinging through the streets of New York City. No other Spider-Man game really nailed that feeling of swinging through the skyscrapers. This one knocks that out of the park. The, the, the speed and the kind of ability that you have to do 
different types of movements to, to go fast and go high and swoop right down really low right by the streets. And I did this really awesome move where there's like a little water tower. And just like randomly I used a move because you can like attach to the edge of a building and use that to like spring yourself forward faster as you're swinging. And so I did that on the water tower. And instead of swinging or jumping like over it, he like went underneath it on like the crossbar supports underneath and like did like a cool spin move through it and there were there have been a lot of moments just swinging through the city where i'll do something and be like that was fucking awesome and just like like it that's just moving like moving around the world is one of the best parts of the game and that's a pretty big rarity in open world games in particular yeah well Um, that's like always my big issue with open world games is like mm -hmm. just the fatigue of moving through it yeah, um, I, I will never want to fast travel. And the world is pretty big. Like, I've barely touched a third of the total space, much less the actual activities in the spaces. But it's just so much fun to move around. I, even when I unlock fast travel, I'm not going to use it because I, I just, like, I want to swing through the fucking streets, man. Right. It's awesome. That's there. That's and good. It, that's like number one you have to get right with a Spider Man yes, game is totally. swinging through the city. And there have been moments where, like, I want to go on the street and just, like, run around and kind of walk by people. And it feels really bizarre. Like, just to be, like, on the street running. Because I'm like, I could be up hundreds of feet going so much faster. It's it's cool how that uh, comparison works where being on the ground feels unnatural already in this game because it's so acrobatic. Right. The combat, which we had seen a decent amount of in, like, E3 demos and stuff... I'm not like 100% clicking with it yet. It's very much the Arkham style, which is what I expected. And that's a good style of combat. Again, it's not new. It's not that fresh. This is just a very acrobatic version of that. I'm kind of just like struggling with it because I'm a button masher. We've talked about this before. And it's not like it's super combo based, but there are lots of combos you use to like do more damage and build up your focus meter which is allows you to do a special move or refill your health things like that and because i'm button mashing i'm not really accomplishing a lot of those more intricate moves and a lot of dudes have guns and they fucking destroy you if they hit you and so like i i'm dying a frequent amount there's no real punishment for dying but it's more like i'm just trying to i'm still trying to get my hands around a lot of the longer combos, more intricate moves. And I know as you progress, you unlock not even just special abilities, but also like gadgets that you can use. So the first one that you have is just like a, you can spam like six really fast web shooter shots to like tie up a guy and beat him up. And then I I just unlocked one that you shoot like one heavy one that like instantly wraps him up. And I know as you go along, you get much better ones. Like I think there's like a mine that you can drop that like explodes into web stuff. And there are more cool gadgets as you go that I'm excited to to get because I think it'll expand my ability to fight guys a little more. So Um, which version of Spider-Man is this? Is it where he produces the web stuff in his body? No. So he, he so he has web shooters. Yes, and that is the actual version of Spider-Man. I know. So I, know the I just ori- don't like it as much. The original the original Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire ones, he had the actual ability to shoot from his arms. In the comics, it was always he had, web shooters. Yeah, web shooters. And then he well, went through like, the... There was the, like an added layer of like stress, like, oh, he ran out of web fluid, or right. someone broke one of his shooters on one of his arms, and right. it, just, it could lead to more interesting situations. 
And I think it also builds on his, like, tech ability, his, like, scientific background, which I really like, kind of that inventor's mentality. But in the comics, there was that one big arc. I think it was, it wasn't clones, but it was something like that. I don't remember the name of the arc um, from several years ago, where his, like, spider-ness goes like way it evolves a lot for a short period of time yeah and he, then he, he doesn't he, he like can go shoot to it out of his own for a little bit and he comes yeah, out exactly. with like actual spider abilities exactly but then he's like actually turning into a spider yes. or something yes yeah i remember called, that. i think it's like it's like clone something yeah. is because it, it's that arc there are a lot of spider-man clones. right anyway. well that's that's in ultimate spider-man i think is it i think does he have the i think that's an ultimate spider-man arc near the end they may have done it in Ultimate, but oh. I know it is also in Vanilla Spider-Man okay. at some point. Um, but yeah, so uh, they, granted, because I'm still early, I'm still learning a little bit about the as Peter Parker stuff. I'll say the story isn't doing a ton for me yet. Re- I, I, there isn't really a story yet. I'm still in the early stages where like it's introducing me to characters, but the actual moments where you are Peter Parker aren't hitting me as hard, primarily because when I am Peter Parker, I'm like, no, just put me back out in the open world. I want to be Spider-Man again. I want to swing around and fight guys. So I'm sure as it goes along, I'll, I'll get a little bit more engrossed in those characters. The game looks absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I'm because I have my PS4 Pro, my 4K HDR TV, I'm playing it in 4K HDR, and my lord, does the game look fucking great. I haven't played around with the photo mode yet, but I, I am going to in this game just because it looks so fucking good. Um, it's not like God of War level good in terms of the um, detail because this is such a larger experience. But for being an open world game like this, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. No pun intended. Hey-o. Um Yeah. So... When it comes to the gameplay bits, so the, I mean, the combat's good. I'm enjoying that. I'm not clicking with it yet. But all of the side activities, there are so fucking many of them. And most of them are fun. So, like, there are, like, car chase sequences or, like, kind of random robberies that happen that you get on your police scanner. And they're, like, hidden backpacks to find where, like, it's, it has a little photo or a little collectible where you get... Um, and it's doing all of these things you get tokens so like you get a backpack token or a car chase token or a heist token and you use those tokens to build new suits and upgrade suits and build new um gadgets for your suits like up suit upgrades basically and i haven't been able to dive super into that system because i'm still so early but there's just a lot to it and i know on the giant bombcast Ben was referencing God of War when he was talking about it, and I see that comparison for a little frame of reference for you, Kyle. The way that the the upgrade system worked in God of War yeah. was just like a little too obtuse. You didn't really know what quite you were doing. I'm feeling that right now in Spider-Man. Hopefully, I get a better grasp of it as time goes on, much like I did in God of War. But up front, it was kind of like... There's just a little too much going on and definitely too much going on in the activities where I know my normal thing to do would be, oh, I'm in this one zone of the map. Let me clear it out. I'm going to do everything there is to do in that zone. And I cannot let myself do that because if I do, I'm going to get very sick of these side activities. So I'm trying to do it sparingly. Like I'm going to my objectives. And if there's a backpack or if there's a heist or if there's something else on the way, I'll do it. But otherwise, I'm not. I'm not going way out of my way to like 
there are pictures that you take of New York City landmarks. Like, I'm not going to, like, go across the map just to take a picture of something. I'm going to wait because eventually I'm going to be in that area and then I can do it. So, really, really happy with this game so far. I'm very excited to play more of it um, today and the rest of this weekend, hopefully, if I get time. But, uh, yeah, it's made a very good first impression. I'm excited to see all the little Easter eggs, Spider-Man Easter eggs and the different villains and stuff. That I'm sure I'm going to get a lot out of that. So, super pumped. Um, what video games have you been playing? Um, more than last week. Um, yeah. I picked up Guitar Hero 2 again last night uh, okay. on PS2. What, in, what inspired that? I just wanted to play a rhythm game. I missed Guitar Hero. Every like few months, I'll pick it up and then I'll I'll play until I beat one of my high scores on a song. Okay. Or like I'll try to five star a song. Um, so I did that. I beat a few of my records and it felt really good. I really love that game. Mm-hmm. Um, my guitar is a little rough. Uh, just because it's old, <laughs> yeah. Like the it strummer, pick stuff up as much. sometimes the strummer like double strums, okay. which is not good. Um, and my whammy bar, like the spring is broken, so it doesn't like bounce back when you hit it. So you have to kind of like <laughs> manually, yeah, um, do it. Yeah, that's. Mm. But I have this old tube TV that I play on, and that's like the ultimate nostalgia is <laughs> playing guitar here too on a tube TV. You turn was it. Was that a P was that a PS2 game? Yeah. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Wow. You, you turn the TV on. It's like, yeah, and it's yeah. Like the high pitched whine. Right. I miss that. Um, <laughs> I don't, that stuff's terrible for your ears. Yeah, like it did, did, start to, <laughs> did start to give me a bit of a headache. Yeah. Um, I played more fallout four. I got a couple extra mods. Um, I am now level 123. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, remember, I'm using like the five times experience right, thing. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm level 123, <laughs> and I've always wanted to build a, a robots only settlement at Grey Garden, where all the, oh, like, the cool. Mr. Handys right, are. Where all the yep, yep. Um, so I did that, and it started out as like a robots only thing, and then it just became a Nuka Cola museum. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. built a Nuka Cola museum, and now mm-hmm. I need to go to Nuka Cola World to get some of the extra costumes and items and stuff, like all the little like hot dog trays and stuff and soda things I, yeah. I want to put on my booths. Um, yeah. See, I made that, and it looks totally awesome. But um, that's mostly what I spent my time on. It took a very long time because building anything in that game sure. is super miserable. I had to, yeah, da- I had to not, download a mod that let me like play stuff clipping into other Anywhere. things. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, that was very... One of the... One of the core necessity mods for Fallout 4 if you're going to be doing settlement stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I beat Resident Evil 7. Uh, let me jump in real quick since we're already talking about Fallout. Okay. I also played some Fallout 4. Ah. I have some bad news. I think the game broke for me because I'm playing oh. it with mods on PS4 and, you know, their whole thing is like, oh, you know, no guarantees. Bad stuff might happen. And I think I got hit with some bad stuff because I can't advance most quests. Like, I can't talk to a lot of people. So I started the Brotherhood of Steel quest, and I did some of those, like, little side missions by the other two dudes, that, or the, the the guy and the girl that they give you. And then you're supposed to go back to Paladin Dance, which is when you do, like, the big, hey, um, what's that called? What's the helicopter thing called? Hella something? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. The big thing at the airport. 
that is up, yeah, up top. Yeah, they're called the, something because the they're not helicopters. They're called something else. But anyway, where you like you you repair one, you fly away, and then you go, and that's where you walk out of the building, and you see all the Brotherhood of Steel stuff coming in. It's a really fucking cool moment. Right. But um, so I went to talk to Paladin Nance to initiate that, and I can't talk to him. So I was like, okay, let me go. And at that point, I had probably played for like four hours, and I had no idea where it had broken. So I don't, I'm not, I don't want to delete all that time. So instead, I went and did some other quests and was like, oh, maybe if I initiate some other stuff, I can come back to him. So I initiated a couple other quests, and they were fine. And then like as I progressed in those quests, randomly, I wouldn't be able to talk to guys anymore. So there was one where you uh, you go into this like old insane asylum, and as you're fighting through it, you're supposed to talk to this dude who's wounded, and he gives you a key to go into the next zone. And I couldn't talk to him. He just sat there and would bleed. And I tried like a bunch of shit. I tried, you know, just reloading, and uh, I tried like shooting him to see if we can get in combat and get out of combat, and then I could talk to him. And nothing works. I just can't talk to any of these people. So it might be the end of me playing Fallout 4, unfortunately. Because, like, I'm not going to go back to an old save file. Because at this point, I've played, like, eight more hours since the whole initial Paladin Dance thing happened. And I don't even know that deleting that and going back is going to fix the problem. And, like, yeah, wandering around the wasteland, going into random buildings, that's still fun, sure. But without the ability to, like, advance most of my quests... It's not going to be nearly as much fun. Yeah. So I'm pretty bummed. Um, I will say, because I really enjoy playing the game and I want to continue playing the game, I may load up and just like get rid of all my mods and load up my old save file and play through the Far Harbor DLC, which I have never played. So I might do that in my vanilla Fallout uh, back from when I beat the game a couple of years ago, just so that I can play more of it. Because uh, the modded thing, I think, might be the end, unfortunately. But, man, I've had the fucking music stuck in my head, like, taunting me. And I cannot, like, every five seconds, one of the songs comes into my head. And it is so annoying. Very good music in Fallout 4. Not enough music in Fallout 4, I will say. Too much repetition. But, boy, I'm, like, I want to throw myself in front of a train because I can't get these fucking songs out of my head. It's... It's bad. They're good songs. I they are good. I did, some, but I don't want them in my head all the time. I just did some cursory looking, uh-huh. and someone has posted in a forum that when a player walks away from a quest, like an NPC talking to you about a quest, um, sometimes the game sticks on that. Okay. Um, and so if you were to return to that person and complete that dialogue, that might fix the problem. So if there oh. if there's someone that you had talked to but maybe didn't like accept the quest or oh, didn't boy. finish the dialogue tree, if you can remember where you were, you can go maybe talk to that person and then fix that. I have no idea what that would be. It, I mean, if you there if you were a lot of people I've talked to. Yeah, I mean, if it, it could have been like um, Preston or someone like trying right. to give you something. Yeah, that was the first one that came to my mind. All right, I might try that. That that makes sense why that might happen. Yeah. Cause like they ad- cause like they advertise it where like oh you can walk away from any conversation but apparently that's right. kind of a common bug as you walk away from the wrong conversation the game code just kind of sticks on it. Yeah, but I've been able to talk to other people though. Like I've been able to do some other quests. It's just yeah. particular ones that don't work. But worth a try yeah. at least. It could st- yeah. Who knows? Who knows with Fallout Four? <laughs> 
Um, it's one of the problems with those those type of games. Yeah. You just have to like. There's always that little bit of fear. Every like every moment that you're playing it, you're always afraid something bad's gonna happen. Yeah, and that's why I like it playing sucks. on PC because I can just like set quest value to this to have that quest step complete. But you can't do that on sure. PS4 because you have the console. Yeah. Um, console commands rather. Um, so yeah, I beat Resident Evil Seven. Mm-hmm. It's a very good game. I love that game. So I started a second playthrough of Resident Evil Seven to use some of the weapons I unlocked. I'm using, well, a third playthrough, right? Well, yes. So second on PC, third total. Oh, okay, sure. Um, so it's a very good game. I want to try to beat it in under four hours, and I don't think I'm. I already think I'm off track on that. Hmm. It'll. Are it'll there like cheats? Push. Not cheats, but like, are there like shortcuts and stuff that you need to be able to do? Um, you don't have to, but like, because I'm still getting every item. Like, I'm still scouring oh. every room for every Well, yeah, item. that's not going to work. I know. Um, but, like, I, I beat it, like, taking my time, like, really searching everywhere in, like, six and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And so I figure now that I know where everything is and I know the routes, I should be able to do it faster. And I think I'm about to fight Margaret, and I'm, like, an hour and 45 minutes in. So I feel like I'm on pace. We'll see. Yeah. Um, that was your game of the year last year, right? Maybe. Dude, I don't remember. <laughs> That's all right. It's good. It's a good game. I like right. it. Right. I know. You care less about that stuff than I do. Yeah. I just like ranking things, all right? <laughs> Get off my back. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? You're my number one brother. Uh, that's nice. Um, I, I also um, played Two Point Hospital. Which is uh, a, game. a silly name. Yeah, that's what it is. A silly name. Um, it's made by some of the creative leads from Theme Hospital, which was like an old theme park game, like you mm. know, like Theme Park Roller Coaster or Theme Park Tycoon or whatever. Okay. It's a, it was Theme Hospital, like an old Windows game. Um, so they have like gotten a few extra people on the project, but it's some of those creative leads started a new studio and made this game so it's like a it's a sims a simulation running a hospital thing but it has like a okay. fun art style that reminds me of um is it wallace and gromit is that like claymation yeah it rem- hmm. so it's not claymation but the anime like the, the style of the characters remind me of wallace and gromit how they have like the big chins and okay all that. sure yeah. sure Chicken Run, yes, and like Chicken Run, yeah. So it yeah. reminds, it looks like that, um, and it has a really fun uh, design style. Um, it's good. I've played it for about an hour and a half so far. I three starred the first scenario, which is the Badass. highest star you can get. I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm good at video games. You should be a doctor. Yeah, I know. I should. Or I guess run a like hospital. a hospital manager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was hiring people. I was giving yeah. them pay raises to make them happy, and at the end of the day, that's I how was, it always I was works, right? A profit. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like I'm ready. <laughs> if not a hospital yet, at least like a minute clinic. You know, start start a little small. Hey, I'm minute to win it. Oh boy. Two point hospital. It's a good game. Yeah, it's a good one of those. Scratches the itch, has a fun, has a fun look, has a really good soundtrack. Like okay. the soundtrack, yeah, 
phenomenal, and that's kind that's of important a key, in that kind of game. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that that's that's a key part of that kind of genre is like a good head bob. Sure. Yeah, but something was weird. My <laughs> middle mouse wasn't working on it for some reason. And you're supposed to be able to like click the middle mouse and drag it around to like change the pitch and yaw the camera or like scroll in and out to zoom. Hmm. Totally not working. So hmm. I was having to use the keyboard for that stuff, which is clunky. But other than that, having a good time. Yeah. Well, the only other thing I've really been playing is uh, still some more Pokemon Heart Gold. Catch so. Hello. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. When last we talked, that was the struggle. Right. I was unable to catch Ho-Oh after. I mean, it was only one try, but I used like 30 fucking different Pokeballs and couldn't get him, even though he was at 1 HP and he was paralyzed and everything else. But I was able to catch him. So I went and did, I tried a second time and accidentally beat him. So I obviously reloaded and went in a third time. Similar process, all the same types of things. Got him down right down to one health, had him paralyzed. And uh, see, I wrote it down. It took me eight Ultra Balls, which were all the Ultra Balls I had. Then six Heavy Balls. And then I said, fuck it, I'm going to use a Premier Ball. Which has the same, quote-unquote, capture percentage as a Pokeball. It's just a special one that you get through some quest in the game. Where it's just like a cool white Pokeball. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just use this. So I used it and I caught him. And I like <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get Pokemon. I don't get capturing Pokemon. It's so stupid. It's easily the worst system in that game. But it is what it is. So I got him. I'm not going to use him because I have Sin or um, Quilava. Is that the third one? Typhlosion. Typhlosion. That's yeah. that's the third evolution. So I'm not going to use him, but I have him. So at least I have that. Um, so now I'm in my Elite Four prep mode. And uh, my roster was Typhlosion, um, Knocked Owl, who's a flying slash psychic Pokemon, uh, Red Gyarados, Sudowoodo, Ampharos, my electric guy, and then I had Gligar, who was a flying slash ground, which is a cool type. He didn't really have very good moves. He wasn't that good. And so I was like, I'm not super pumped about Gligar. Yeah. And I realized that I never got Eevee. And I was like, okay. How about I add an Umbreon to this roster, and then we take on some shit. So I went and got my Eevee, and I did. Uh, I was watching um, YouTube videos, and I just got on my bicycle, and I just went in a straight line back and forth for probably an hour and a half, just back and forth, AD, keyboard keys, to get my friendship up with him. And then I was able to evolve him at like level 20, I think. So I have my Umbreon now. I'm still leveling him up. He's at like 28 or 29, so it's taking a while. Just because there's no really great place to grind out levels in that game. I think like the highest level zone is like level, like high level 20s or something crazy. And my guys are mid 40s. So it's going to take me a while because I want to get to level 50 with everybody before the Elite Four. But I only play that game when I'm watching something else anyway. So it's it's a pretty passive experience. So it's more just like committing the time now. It's not like it's extra tedious because it's the same thing I would be doing anyway. Right. But I did cross 60 hours played. So I, I'm at like 63 hours, which is a decent chunk of time yeah, to is. be playing in that game. So, um yeah, I'm, I'm still having fun with it. I know it was either the last episode or episode before I was, like, maybe cooling on it just because I was getting to that point where there were so many other things I needed to do. But if my time with Fallout 4 is ending, then 
Heart Gold can kind of be my old game, my waste time game. Because also, we haven't touched Destiny 2. So, I don't know what's going to happen with Forsaken. But I know, like, you didn't want to spend the money on it, but also weren't super into playing it anyway. Right. And that's kind of where I am. Like, I've watched some videos and heard some scuttlebutt that people are having fun with it. That it, that it's more Destiny, obviously. Yeah. But that it's good more Destiny. The way that Taken King was good more Destiny. Yeah. And, like, I want a bow. I'm really good sure. with bows, and I like bows in games. Bows are good. I like I like those. Yeah. I, I would play it, but I'm not going to play it by myself. You know what I mean? So, I know Cody's playing it, and he has all his group of people that I'm sure I could play with them. But I'm just yeah. not... I did go in a couple days before Forsaken launched that weekend. I did play it for a little bit. Again, going back to when I was feeling kind of depressed and just wanted to waste time. There's no better waste time game than Destiny 2. So I played it for a little bit uh, and just didn't really have fun. Like, I did some strikes, did some random world exploration. Like, more of the same shit that you always do in Destiny. And granted, it was by myself. And that game's always more fun when you're playing with other people. But I was just like, this isn't... I'm not even... Even the like how the shooting feels so good doesn't do it for me anymore. I've done it enough where it doesn't feel special, and so that that's when I was kind of like, ah, eh, maybe I'm not ready for Forsaken. Maybe in a month, you and I will want to go through Destiny again, <laughs> and then in a month after that, we'll get sick of it, and then in a month after that, we'll pick it back up. That's kind of the cycle. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's kind of video game I, I haven't gone back to octopath traveler i always think about it and i just it's really good i really liked it but something about it i'm not feeling motivated to pick it back up well, so i don't know like the stories aren't interesting enough yeah they like, really the aren't stakes aren't like and honestly the combat's too repetitive yeah like uh it sucks man because i think i'm in a position where because i've played so few games this year i want to like them more than i actually do because I want to feel like those few games I've gotten a lot out of. And so I, like, I'm trying to convince myself that I really like Octopath Traveler. But whenever I think about it, it's with like an underwhelmed feeling. So I don't know. I, I do want to go back to it because there are a lot of elements I liked. And I want to give it more time. Like I want to um, get everybody. And then I want to start their second quests to see if those are a little more engaging. And I know you get the ability to add a second class to each person, which would make it a little bit more customizable. So I want to get to that point because then I feel like I'm seeing the meat of the game and then I can make my decision. But that's still several hours of gameplay away. And I'm just at the point where I'm like, like I want to play Spider-Man. And next week, I'm going to want to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I also want to play Guacamelee too. So it's like, where am I going to find time for Octopath Traveler? I'm not sure. So what about uh, other stuff for you? You watching anything? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I watched Constantine with Keanu Reeves on Netflix. Why? Because <laughs> uh, I've never watched it, and I like Keanu Reeves, and it seemed like a dumb waste of time. Um, mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. but it was also fun. It was a fun it's not thing. a bad movie. Like it's not good, but it's not bad. It's fun, right? Um, and then I don't remember what I was listening to or who I was talking to, but someone brought up Point Break, and I realized I'd never watched Point Break either. Another Keanu Reeves okay. film. Um, right. And then I also remembered the fat guy from Hot Fuzz talking about uh-huh. Point Nick Break Frost. and shooting right. the shooting, shooting the, the guns in the air yep. and stuff. Yep. Um, 
So I watched Point Break too, mm-hmm. or as well. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, there's not a second Point Break. There is what? It is not the same actress. Oh. It. I think it just came out like a couple of years ago. Well, I'm not interested. I, or maybe there, maybe it hasn't come out. But there is a sequel to Point Break, but it looks terrible because it's different actors. I only care about Keanu. And right. Holy shit, was he bad in that movie? Yeah, that's a bad Woo! movie. Point Break is a bad movie. Yes, but it people like it, it was because ride, man. it's dumb, but it's not good. It's yeah, it's super stupid. But I, I did enjoy it. So those are the two movies that I watched. Did you watch any movies? I did. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Dad was in town uh, last weekend, and uh, we we like going and seeing movies together. A lot of times when he's here, we'll go see a movie. So we went and saw Operation Finale, which is a Jason – no, not Jason – Oscar Isaac movie. I always confuse those names. But uh, Oscar Isaac, who plays Poe in Star Wars. Okay. Uh I think I am a big fan of him. I, I've liked a lot of his stuff, and I really like him in Star Wars, and I've seen him in a couple other things and thought he was good. He was in Ex Machina. Did you ever see Ex Machina? Nope. You would like it. It's really it's like a sci-fi drama. It's really intense. Um, but he's in that, and he's phenomenal. Um, he was in Annihilation, which I did not enjoy, but I thought he was good in it. It was a small part. But anyway... I have never seen him in anything and thought he was bad. So I'm kind of on the page where, like, anything he's in, I'll go see it. And this was kind of one of those. So the basic story is it's Ben Kingsley plays one of Hitler's lieutenants that was in charge of the Holocaust, basically. Uh, and he escaped. Like, he didn't kill himself, which most of Hitler's lieutenants did because they were job, cowards. man. Yeah. Like, well, he's a bad person. Like, you're in charge of the Holocaust. But that's... And that is what is so fucking crazy about this. Because Dad and I talked a little bit about it. And it's still... Like, 9-11 was an absolute tragedy. There are tragedies that happen all over the world all the time. Genocides and just terrible, terrible stuff that's going on right now. Like, in Africa and Syria and all these countries. But nothing comes close to the Holocaust in terms of just the most awful awful thing to have ever happened is the holocaust like i i cannot imagine that as a reality and because a lot of people didn't know what was happening or they were like willfully ignorant the german people because they it was you know a lot of people compare trump to hitler which i think is maybe a bit of a stretch but just that mentality of unified hatred like a your platform is hatred and I feel like that's certainly what Trump's pitch is, and that's bad. But Hitler's was so much worse, obviously. And his whole thing is like, the Jews, just being Jewish means you are terrible. Like, it's it's racism, but taken far more to the extreme. Like, And so all these German people that were convinced that Jewish people were the cause of all problems in the world... And that they needed to be exiled or whatever. And that's what they decided to believe what happened. When in reality what was happening is they weren't exiling these Jewish people. They were putting them in fucking camps. Torturing them. Murdering them. It's just like I cannot imagine being a soldier in the German army during World War II that worked at one of those camps. 
Because soldiers in the war, they think what they are doing is right. They're they're fighting for their country, just like the Americans were, just like the French were, the British were. Like that, I get. We're just ha- we just happen to be on opposite sides. They didn't know the intricacy of evil that was Hitler and his regime. Well, I think that was part of the setup, right? Is that you? Is that they? They selected who should yes. be working in those camps based on right. like how much of a zealot they were, right? How loyal they would be to that. But yes, you're you're right, and and so that's why I cannot imagine that because that is a level of evil, like literal evil, that I cannot possibly comprehend. People that would do that kind of thing. And it's not even like they're criminals, man. They're just Jewish. Like, But, like, okay, I don't care what someone has done, what shitty thing they've done. I could never treat someone that way. 100%. I could not even treat Hitler that way. 100%. If I'm being honest. Right. But the, the point being, like, you can... Not that you specifically, but you can imagine a justification for treating someone that is bad, treating them in a bad way. Right. These people didn't that do extent, anything. Yes. But like even if e- like even if you buy into it, if you believe all of the propaganda and all of the misdirection about the Jewish people, how does one still how are you still so removed from humanity that you would commit or allow those atrocities to happen? Yeah. Like that is, it's unconscionable. Yeah. Well, it's incomprehensible. Like I literally cannot imagine doing something like that, that level of evil. Like I can't even imagine murdering someone. Like if, if, you know, if I'm a soldier in a war killing someone, I think I would be capable of that because it's my life or theirs, not the patriotic part that I don't care so much about, but the actual, like either I die or they die, but to go and actually kill someone, cold blooded, kill someone, I could not do that much less be responsible for killing millions of people, right? Millions of them. So the Holocaust, Holocaust was bad, right. basically, yes, is what we're trying to say. I sat but in on an mo- English class last year where we read, um, the kids read Night, which is a novel by Elie Wiesel. Yes. Um, and that, if you are listening to this and you have not read that book, go read that book, because holy shit. Yes. Um, it was about him and his family, and he talks about you know the lead into it, right? Like, what life was like before, and how you know uh how willfully ignorant they were about their own impending fate and what also is terrifying about that situation and about leader like zealot leaders like this is how fucking smart they are oh yeah how how easily they can manipulate people and like the slow process like cuz it starts with little things yeah it's a long con and then it builds and builds yeah it's a long con and that to me is like so much more insidious than just like going out there and saying like kill all the Jew kill all the Jews. It's like building up this mentality so that when you come out and say kill all the Jews, everyone's like, Yes. Hell yes. Like that like, level of insanity. Almost Ooh. everyone says yes. 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 Oh my god, I can't Ooh, it's insane to me. But back to Operation Finale specifically. Right. 
So this is about one of Hitler's lieutenants that escaped after the war. So he escaped justice. He was living in Argentina. And it is the story of a group of, um, I guess you'd call them like spies from Israel. So this is a real life story that go into Argentina and try to extricate this dude secretly to so he can stand trial in Israel. So they don't want to just go and like assassinate him because they want to bring it forth and make it public, like make the the trial public so that people can't forget the Holocaust, basically. And this was like 10 years, no, maybe like 10, 15 years after World War II ended. So it just has a ton of tension in it because like they're on this secret mission. They're in a foreign country where most of the people there are not on their side. There's still a lot of hatred for Jewish people elsewhere like in our like there was kind of a resurgence of neo-nazis in argentina at the time and so they're like they're in a really dangerous spot um just a ton of tension in that movie it's like sort of like it's it's frame sort of like a heist movie like it's a lot of like the planning and looking at maps and like figuring out what they're going to do but just a, a ton of like really really good character work from the actors uh and ben kingsley is like I mean, he's one of the best actors of all time, obviously, but he, because he plays the Hitler's lieutenant guy, and man, his, like, his levels of not making you feel sorry for him, but, like, making you, you're able to look at him as being a human being who, like, cares about his family and and loves other people versus only seeing him as, like, a monster, you know what I mean? So, like, interesting. it's... It's not that you pity him or that you have empathy for him or that you see his perspective. It's not none of that, but just like look being able to look at him as a person versus this like ambiguous monster right. robot that's responsible for killing millions of people. And then like how it, it like switches back and forth so quickly between those two dichotomies that man, uh, he's really good in this movie. And it is a very good movie. So I'm glad we went and saw it. We were going to go see Jurassic World, but Dad had already seen it. And then we talked about instead going and seeing The Meg, which was the Jason Statham giant shark movie, just because it would be dumb and stupid. (laughs) And then we were like, and then I was like looking through what else was there. I was like, ooh, Operation Valley, like that's going to be more of a drama, but that should be good. And he's like, yeah, we'll go see that. And I'm glad we went and saw that because, I mean, it was a fucking bummer of a movie too, because it's a lot about the Holocaust and the atrocities that happened. But it was just really, really good. Nice. So yeah, um, um, I also one other watched... one other plug. Yes, Holocaust yeah, related. Okay. Um, the play Rhinoceros by Eugene Ionesco. The whole thing is mm-hmm. a metaphor for the rise of Nazism in Germany um, and the surrounding areas. So it, it's basically like it's a hard one to read, but if you could ever like find a performance of it. Uh, to watch or like go see i highly recommend it um it's hard to read because there are a lot of conversations that happen at the same time and they do that on purpose Um, but the whole premise is people are turning into rhinoceroses or rhinos i don't know the proper plural rhinoceri rhinoceroxen (laughs) Um, and there's it centers kind of around one guy who he doesn't want to become a rhino but everyone is becoming a rhino, so he struggles with this, like, um, like should I just become a rhino and be a rhino with everyone else? Or mm-hmm. And then at the, at the end of the play, like, he almost does it, and then he, like, says, no, like, fuck this. I'm going to stand up for what's right, and I'm going to mm-hmm. maintain my humanity. 
because like being becoming a rhino like not only are rhinos dangerous but also like it's you know the loss of humanity and the sure. animalistic nature of the atrocities that the nazis committed and stuff so it's just a really powerful play that when done right can be very affecting so night by ellie wiesel and rhinoceros by eugene ionesco get yourself some history and some perspective <laughs> educate yourself yeah or if you want or if you can't read go see operation finale yes <laughs> uh so i also started watching jack ryan it's a new Amazon show yes. with John Krasinski. Uh, there have been a lot of adaptations of Jack Ryan. I think uh, Tom Cruise did a Jack Ryan movie several years ago. Or maybe it was Chris Pine. I, I get all those kind of movies. Oh, it was Chris Pine because Jack Reacher yes. was... Uh, what's his face? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. They're all the fucking same. But anyway, <laughs> so I started watching it. I watched an episode and a half. And then I decided I'm not going to continue watching it. Because, boy, it sucks. It's just like like it's it's a network drama, and it's weird because with these streaming networks and these more premium platforms like Hulu and Netflix and a lot of times Amazon as well, I have higher expectations. Like I treat them like cable networks, where the content is just better. Like they're better shows than you would see on CBS or ABC or NBC because they're not like the big four. They dumb their shit down for dumb Americans, and cable networks. They let creatives be creative. They're not produced to death. They're not executive noted to death. And Jack Reacher, or I'm doing it already. <laughs> Jack Ryan feels like you would see it on CBS. It is the most, just the painfully obvious on the nose writing where people are like literally telling you how they feel instead of actually acting how they feel, you know, like human beings do. Right. And just the plot of it is so just dumb and the characters are complete caricatures okay and so it's like the show arrow sure yes <laughs> totally but that's what those kinds of shows are they're like those they're bad shows and something like arrow gets a little bit more of a pass because it's a dc show it's superheroes people like that aspect of it but when like that's how i felt about like when i when we tried to watch the blacklist we just couldn't the concept of it was really cool i'm a big fan of uh what's his face James Spader, I think he's a great actor, but just the writing on that show was so fucking terrible. The plots were so fucking terrible that we couldn't I couldn't watch it. I was like, no, this is wasting my time. That's how I felt about Jack Ryan. When I when I started a show, I want to give it two episodes. Because the pilot could be the pilot, and so I want to give it another full episode. And I was like halfway through Jack Ryan, and I was like, you know what? I'm not seeing how this is going to change. I don't want to give this another half hour of my <laughs> life. So it sucks. It's a bad show. And it bums me out because I like John Krasinski. I think he's good in most of his stuff. Um, he's not particularly great in this. It's kind of a weird character. It's an inconsistent character, I should say. And he isn't all that compelling is, is the problem. And I think a lot of that's more on the writing than it is him. But it's a bad show. Don't watch Jack Ryan. I won't. <laughs> I asked her if she wanted to watch it because she loves John Krasinski. She said yes. Okay. So I said, okay, I'll watch it with you. Right. Now I'm not gonna. No, don't. I'm going back on my word. She can watch yeah. that by herself. <laughs> um, so everything else I've been watching is kind of more of the same stuff. So we finished season one of The League. Love that show. Great football season show. Um, almost done with season nine of Seinfeld, which bums me out because I don't want it to end. I mean, it's just like... 
I laugh out loud so much watching that show, even when I'm like by myself and I'm laughing out loud in my apartment. It's so fucking good. Uh, and watch some comedians in cars getting coffee when Dad was here because he hadn't seen it. Oh, one of my favorite um, shows. Yeah, it's it's like typically I use the word time waster in a negative way, but this is kind of like a good time waster. Yeah, and maybe I just have that association. But one because the episodes are super short; they're like you know a lot of them are thirteen to fifteen minutes. But I also when I was really sick back in April for like a couple of weeks, that's all I did was watch comedians in cars like all day long, and that. Uh, so I associate like killing time with watching that show, but like it was a good distraction from feeling like hell. So I have this like positive feeling about wasting time with comedians and cars getting coffee. Yeah. Um, and then we've been watching our competition show. So, uh, so you think you can dance? They're down to the final four. There was a new episode this week, which was the final four, which we have not watched yet. I vehemently disagree with who the final four ended up being. Because the way they do it is based on – so the structure, once you're on the show, so after the, like, judges pick their top however many and narrow, narrow it down to, to ten, the American voters vote on who they want to go through and who they want to be on the bottom. And then from the people that are on the bottom, the judges pick the people to cut. So at the end of the day, it's still the judges making the decision, which is what I like because Americans suck and we're stupid as hell. And we don't know what the fuck we're doing. But once you get down to the top four, America picks the top four, and then America picks the winner. And so at that point, the ju- what the judges said didn't matter. It was whatever the voters had to say. And the voters were fucking wrong as hell because two really, really good dancers went home so that two not as good dancers could go through. There's one guy. He's a hip-hop dancer. I love watching him. He's an amazing hip-hop dancer. And he has worked so fucking hard throughout the course of the show to do all the other styles, but he just isn't as good. Like, at the end of the day, period. He just isn't that good at the other styles. He works really hard. He tries really hard, but he isn't that good. You'd be like me going out there and doing it. Like, yeah, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do what I can, but I'm not as good as everybody else. But he's really handsome, and he's really charming. And so, so he's in the final So it would not four. be like you doing it. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> So that annoyed me, but all all six of them were really good dancers, and really it's going to come down to two dancers. There are two girls who are both just better than everyone else, and it's going to come down to the two of them. So whether it's someone gets cut in the top six or gets cut in the top four, it doesn't really matter because it's going to come down to those two girls. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's a fun show to watch. Once it gets down to the end, it gets frustrating because it's the voters picking the winners, which I just don't enjoy that. Um, I've also been watching Project Runway, which my only little story about that. So this season, there are two twins that are on the show. And they're solo competitors, but they're twin sisters. And so they collaborate a lot and they talk a lot. And my God, they have to be two of the most fucking annoying people I've ever heard in my life. Like, they seem like cartoon characters. Because the way they talk is so verbose. Like, they're... they're and the, the t- timbre of their voice. So everything they say is like this. So, oh, I don't... Uh, what, what do you think of this, Sean? Oh, I don't know, Kate. I think perhaps if you were to... Take a step back and look at the entirety of the process of your creation. I think you might realize that your perspective on this isn't quite 
in the arena of uh, form that you might anticipate it. Like, like that's how they talk. I'm not, ma- I'm not exaggerating. That is how they talk. It's so fucking annoying. And one of them got cut because at the end of the, they both aren't good, and they both went up against each other or they they were collaborating which was like borderline cheating like you're allowed to help each other and ask for opinions but they like designed together basically and it was like borderline cheating and so when it came down to it both of them they were on a partnership and their looks lost so one of them had to go home but because they're so intertwined collaboratively the judges were like we don't know who to send home because frankly we don't know which one of you was responsible for this being bad so instead you two are going to go head to head you have one hour to make a garment you cannot help each other go whoever does the worst whoever does worse loses and so they're like sobbing hysterically like Oh, my success will lead to her failure. And it's, it was quite funny because I hated both of them and I did not care. And um, so as they're going through, one of them was like, she didn't know what to do. She couldn't come up with any ideas. And so she was like, clearly this is just a sign that my sister is the one who should continue along in the competition. She is capable where I am not, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. And so she like threw herself onto the bus and got cut. And then in the next episode, I mean, this is spoilers for Project Runway, but in the next episode, it came out that the remaining sister had a secret measuring tape at their hotel room where she was measuring her own pants, her own shirts, and then just recreating them as part of the competition. So she was straight up cheating. Like, no, there was no gray area where, oh, they're being helped, blah, blah, blah. She was straight up cheating. And she won that challenge. She won $25,000. And then it came out that she had been cheating. So they took away her win, they took away her money, and they fucking kicked her off. So both of the sisters got kicked off <laughs> right back to back. And boy, howdy, am I liking the show so much more now. Because like now that they're gone, that energy is out of the kind of workroom area. Everyone else is having so much more fun and like talking to each other and like making jokes and just, you know, being funny. Uh, it, it's, I'm very, I'm so, I'm so happy that they're gone. <laughs> but man, like. It would be so fascinating to learn more about those twins, like why they are the way they are, like from an actor perspective, like as a character study. Right. I'd be so fascinated, like, because they are not human beings. The way they talk, the way they are is so not normal. Really interesting. So that's been Project Runway. Those were really fun episodes, though. secret tape measure. Yes, yes, secret, secret tape measure. (laughs) Like the fact that she was... And they had been called out from some of the other designers of, like, one of the girls, one of her looks, because they worked with a client, right? And so they're having this interview with a client of, like, what kind of stuff do you like? What are you looking for? And the girl that's – her client was wearing this, like, kind of cross top, crop top, blue, dark navy blue thing with, like, these, like, flared black pants. And she's like, I really love the outfit I'm wearing now. So something that was, like, a little bit of a different vibe but that is this style would be really cool. And the, the designer, one of the twins, basically just recreated that look. And she was in the top because the, the judges didn't know that that's what she had done. But all the other designers are like, what the fuck? Not only did she just, like, not accomplish what her client wants. Like, she just made another version of what she already has 
why would the client like that? That's like buying two shirts that are the same shirt, the same color. Why would you do that? Plus, she that's, again, borderline cheating where she's remaking something that already exists. So it was a fucking train wreck when they were on the show, but they are no longer, which is very, very good. <laughs> uh, and then when Dad was here, we started season three of Ultimate Beastmaster. Nice. Which is so fun. And I really like watching that show because now American Ninja Warrior is up its own ass and it's all about these fucking sob stories like, oh, I only have one leg and here I am. And then they fail in the first five seconds. But you just spent 15 minutes telling us about their wife that had cancer and they were a soldier and like, like, good for you. Absolutely. Let's do a documentary on this person. But at the end of the day, it's a fucking obstacle course. Why do I care that this guy's grandma just died? Like, run the obstacle course. I want to laugh at people when they fall. I can't laugh at a dude who's missing a leg and whose wife has cancer. 100%. So, it fills the void left by old American Ninja Warrior, and especially actual Ninja Warrior, the Japanese show, which inspired American Ninja Warrior. So, this is like... it's it's, It's not as funny, because the hosts are kind of cringy, and it takes itself a little seriously, like it's so hardcore. Yeah. But it's stupid fucking obstacle course stuff. And that's that's what I want when we're getting drunk, you know, or I guess when I'm getting drunk. That's what I want to watch. So uh, that's been good. Finally, and then I'll hand it back to you. I have been watching, well, I mentioned last episode I've been watching Hard Knocks, which is the kind of uh, NFL documentary show about right. the Cleveland Browns. So they had the last episode of that before the season started last week. And kind of the way that they do the show. So it's a lot of focus on the whole team and their kind of practice process, the preseason games, the coaches, what they're doing. But it also, they they kind of pick a couple of players to kind of center stories around. And typically, they're players that are like on the roster bubble. So when you go into training camp, you have like 80-some dudes on the roster. But then at the start of the season, you can only have 53 guys. So a lot of those guys are getting cut throughout the course of training camp. And especially at the very end, that last day, they're cutting a bunch of dudes. And so they always like to pick on a couple of like rookies that were drafted late in the draft or kind of vets that have been there for a while that have always been on the bubble. And it's like, let's learn a little bit more about them. Are they going to make the team or not? And I've been watching old episodes of Hard Knocks on YouTube because NFL has a channel where they've been uploading one. So the first season was in 2001 with the Baltimore Ravens, which was the season after they won the Super Bowl. And then the next season they did the Dallas Cowboys, quote-unquote America's team. And so those have been really cool to see a lot of like that time period, early 2000s. Because like at one of the training camps, I think it was on the Cowboys one, like one of the dudes when he goes to training camp in his hotel, like he's setting up his PlayStation 2. And like <laughs> on, on one of the weekend days, a couple of the guys like go see Rush Hour 2 at the theaters. So like it's just like that time period. Yeah. There's a lot of nostalgia there for me. So that's been fun. But also, man, could they not get away with some of the stuff they do and say if that took place now? So in the 2002 one with the Cowboys, they also focused on the Cowboys cheerleaders which I don't know if they continue to do after that season. They don't do it anymore. I have a whole lot of opinions on cheerleading. My wife certainly has a lot of opinions on cheerleading. Yeah. but um, Or at least the way that cheerleading is perceived. Right. I have no problem with the concept of cheerleading. Dude, it's I just, work at a high school. Yes. There are, with, there like, are shows. Yes. Like, we can't do the musical Chicago because that's way too risky. Like, 
the chorus right. line dancers, like those outfits. But right. at the same time, we have the same girls, same age, yeah, dancing and cheerleading with like yeah. underwear on, and that's it. It's fucked yep. up, dude. It is fucked, fucked up. up, especially for for younger. But yes, and and it is one of the things that perpetuates men viewing women as sexual objects because yep. that's all cheerleaders are right now. They wear their crop tops, their, their booty shorts. Like, yes, a lot of opinions on that, which we don't need to get into. But in this season, they not only focus on the team, the NFL team, they focus on the cheerleading team too, and like one of the new cheerleaders on the squad. And there's a big focus on their like cheerleading director. And she is a dick. Like, and it's very 2002, where in front of everyone, all of the girls that are practicing, some of their family that's in the audience, and like people watching in the audience, she calls out one of the girls and says that she needs to lose some weight. Oh, good. Yeah. And that's one of those are like, boy, howdy. She could not get away with that in today's day and age. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, like, there's a scene with one of the guys where he's one of the rookies that's on the team, and they do an interview with his mom. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad that he found sports. Because a lot of these kids, too, like, they come from inner cities, really poor families, where, like, sports, that was why they were able to go to college was because of sports. Now they're going to be fucking millionaires because of sports. It's a cool thing. So they're doing this interview with his mom, and she's like, I'm so glad that he was able to find football because, you know, in the area we live, there's lots of gangs, lots of bad stuff that happens. And he wasn't really finding his thing and frankly i always had a little fear that maybe he was gay so i'm glad that he found football because now i know that he isn't gay wow and that's paraphrasing but that was the message of it of like she was afraid he was gay and now she knows he isn't gay and then they did an interview in the next episode because these are uploaded like as the season is going so like one episode can reference the reaction to the previous episode if that makes sense because an episode will air while they're shooting the next one so in the next episode they did an interview with that guy who was like yeah i want to address what my mom said i am not gay don't think i'm gay i'm definitely not gay and i was just like oh my (laughs) this boy this certainly was 2001 like it was pretty nuts uh some not some not so good stuff. But you think um, about it, like that's only seventeen years ago. Like think about still, how far we've come in terms of that. Acceptance. In society, yes, but there is definitely a lot of toxicity still in well, the NFL and in professional sports when yeah. it comes to homosexuality, when it comes to the way that those men treat their women. So there's yeah. a lot of bad stuff that is still happening for sure. Yeah. But yes, we have certainly have come a long way. Um, but so for the 2018 Browns one that just ended talking about all the rookies and the kind of on the bubble guys it just is proof positive of how fucking hard it is to make it in the nfl because all these guys are like one in ten thousand level athletes they're all phenomenal athletes and some of those guys don't make the team like almost all of the browns bubble guys that they focused on got cut in that last episode there and because they're airing it as the preseason games and as training camp is actually happening now, there were a couple of guys that became fan favorites. So there's this tight end who was like the fourth string tight end. Devin Kajust, I think his name was. And he had a couple like really good moments in the preseason. And he, he kind of became a fan favorite. He's a bit of a weird guy. Like he's a, he's a handsome dude, obviously huge jacked guy, but he's very spiritual, but not like Christianity spiritual. Like he likes gemstones. Yeah, like crystals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so he does a lot of like meditation and that kind of thing. And like, 
I'm not denigrating that. It works for him, good for him. But it's it's an he's interesting. It's a very interesting perspective that he has, and the way that he speaks is very like eloquent. And so it's just like cool to see his journey. And like you root for him, and he gets fucking cut. And there's another guy that like has a family, and he has like six little kids. His wife is adorable, and she makes these really amazing cookies for the whole team. And like they just bought a house, and he gets cut. And then there's another dude who's, like, young. He's kind of sarcastic. He's just, like, a funny class clown type. He went in this whole diatribe early on about he's trying to convince all the other – because he's a linebacker or maybe a defensive lineman. He's trying to convince all the other defensive players, like, hey, you guys are about to sign million-dollar contracts. Don't go spend all your money. Just put 10% of it in your savings account. And after 10 years, that multiplies 10% every year. So 10 grand will eventually be worth like 640 grand in 10 years. And they're all like, holy shit, that's crazy. And his math is not even almost right. Like he is so wrong in his assumption of how the financial world works. Yeah. And so people were making fun of him in a lighthearted way. And then he gets cut. And so it's like all these guys that you really like, that you really root for, get cut. Because that's how brutal the NFL is with their rosters. So that was a bit of a bummer to see... Because, like, watching the old seasons, there's not as much impact because all those guys are out of the NFL anyway, even if they had played. I don't have that much connection. But this 2018 one, like, these are guys right now that are looking for jobs right now. If they can't make it in the NFL, what are they going to do? They don't act- They didn't actually get an education. Like, they went to college, sure, but on a, 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 a football scholarship, they didn't go to class. A lot of them didn't graduate. Right. What are they going to do with their lives now if they can't make it in the NFL? So it's it's uh it gets a little dark when you think about it, but it's it's a lot of fun as a football fan to see a lot of that stuff. And also the differences between good coaches and bad coaches. So in 2001 with the Ravens, this was post their Super Bowl, Brian Billick was their coach. He's now an analyst on the NFL Network, and you can just tell he's a fucking great coach. The way that he does his like talking heads, his interviews, the way that he manages his team, corrects guys, really pushes them when he needs to, but also gives them a break when he needs to. You can tell why they won a Super Bowl. He's a really good coach. And then they went and did the 2002 Cowboys with I think it's like Dave Campo was his name, and he's a fucking he's just an idiot. And he doesn't demand any respect from his players, which is much like the 2018 Browns with Hugh Jackson, which I, I mentioned last episode. They have won one game in the past two years. They are 1-31, and this guy still has a fucking job in the NFL, and he will not after this year because he he just doesn't get it. Like, there, there are there's a quality that you cannot teach that you just have this personality that demands respect like people just look up to you they look at you like a leader and if you're going to be running an nfl team you kind of need to have that right with a bunch of macho jacked dudes and he just does not have it you just see the way players look at him and ignore him when he talks it, i feel bad for the guy but like he shouldn't be a coach he doesn't have what it takes so anyway he'll be fired next year we'll see who the browns get as their coach so that's all the stuff i've been watching quite a lot yeah but what about you anything else i finished disenchantment oh yes okay so those last couple episodes kind of weird right like kind of go for some emotional stuff those um, really because they had like a focus and like a clear narrative through line as opposed to the like the previous ones that were kind of a hodgepodge of stuff okay um and they they it was it still had that kind of like that influx of um, like stuff going on in the background, like the fun little scene setting things, 
um, where Matt Groening likes to throw his little jokes in. There was still some of that stuff. Um, yes. But I like I kind of like the more focused narrative. Hmm. I mean, I think I would like it if it was also um, serialized, but just kind of okay. the hodgepodge wasn't working kind of the first bit of the season. Um, yeah. I thought the ending was bad. Yes. And terrible. Yes. Confusing, like a really bad cliffhanger kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, it's obvious they have a clear direction for season two, but it's like, or not clear direction, but like, you know what the story is going to be to start season two. Right. But it was just like, it didn't feel like a season finale at all. Yeah. It was, yeah. That part of it was weird. It felt like the transition, it felt like the transition between one arc, the first arc to the second arc that is typically in in a season of a show. Right. Um, or like a longer season. So that was strange. Um, yeah, I think my problem with the last couple episodes is the emotional stuff didn't hit for me because they hadn't done enough to build it. Yeah. And so that that just kind of fell flat. And they weren't as funny because they were so focused on the narrative stuff and really making you feel for these characters and the relationships and stuff that the episodes weren't as funny. Um, so I don't know. I was pretty disappointed by how that ended. But again, it's not like I'm not going to watch season two right. uh, and at least give it another shot. So there's enough there. And I'm really hoping that El- Elfo is okay. <laughs> yeah. Because he's the best character. Right. By a lot. He was my favorite part of the show. Yeah. So. Um, I, Karen and I finished The Sinner. Turns out we only had one episode okay. left. So, oh, all right. So we watched that and finished it. Um, so it does a good job in that it, it wraps up every loose end. But mm-hmm. it kind of de-villainizes like the big bad like there's just this this mysterious person who you don't know who it is but you have all these suspicions as who it might be um and then like you finally figure out who it is but then like the circumstances around it are kind of elucidated in such a way that it's like hey this person was actually doing this thing to her because they were protecting someone else and, like, while it's not really an excuse, it, like, you can see how someone would be put in a situation to make that choice, um, like, ruin one life or another life. And, like, okay. who is this random person to that person over this other person? Like, it it's kind of just all around some bad shit. And, like, a lot of bad decisions led up to the situation, to like, to put them in the situation, um, to make that decision. Um, like bad decision that shouldn't have been made in the first place that the whole thing could have been avoided but like so it's like this weird thing at the end where you don't feel like justice has been done hmm. it just is like yeah Jessica Beale's life has been complete shit up until this point <laughs> but like she can finally so there's there's resolution that she can finally start to deal with that trauma in a healthy way okay. so there's resolution there um as opposed to like her mind repressing all these details, you know, she finally yeah. has like all of herself back and can start to process. So there's that. But in terms of like the villain or the bad guy, th- there isn't really. It's not justice that feels good, if that makes sure. sense. Yeah, and because it's gray. Because hmm. I, f- I feel like plenty of shows are able to do that successfully. So, do you think that it's successful at that? 
kind of ambiguity maybe i'm just not a fan of the ambiguity okay i mean right. i like they definitely make it ambiguous as to like mm-hmm. how you should feel um about it but i like i'm not a fan of that i i like yeah. the part where she gets her resolution but i don't like that other half of it okay um is this a series or a mini series this is like its own self-contained story within the season. I, like there isn't really anywhere for it to go. Huh. It's just like kind of. It's kind of like one story. So okay, so you, there will not be a season two. No, I, I can't see how there would be unless this is like a format where it would be a, a different cast, different story, a different okay. story. Yeah, yeah. So because Netflix, Netflix does both, and like when they start a show. Even if it is unsuccessful, even if it is bad, they give it a season two. That's just kind of their platform because a lot of shows will pick up in season two. And that's just kind of like their uh, their plan for shows. But if it's only meant to be a miniseries one season, then obviously they wouldn't do that. Right. That, that seems like what it is. Um, so would you recommend or no? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think I would okay. recommend it. I just like those last couple of episodes, Jessica Beale gets better. Um, mm-hmm. I think she had, and maybe it was like a problem with direction or just the fact that she isn't very good. I don't know, but maybe she was having difficulty portraying the character who was not whole. Okay. But then as she started getting more pieces of herself out, her performance got better. If that makes sense. I can buy that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, but the the young Jessica Biel stuff never worked. But um, mm-hmm. there's a pretty there's a decent supporting cast, and she does get better as it goes. So yeah, yeah, I would I would probably recommend it. It's there's some uncomfortable stuff in there, like we kind of touched on right. last episode, like some incestual stuff, and then like just a lot of it being um, uh, sexual assault related that may mm-hmm. be triggering for some people or mm-hmm. make people uncomfortable. So just know that going in. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, they didn't deal with any of that stuff indelicately. Sure. I mean, there, it feels like an honest story. If that makes any sense, it's fiction, but it feels like an honest story. Yeah. Uh, or maybe, maybe earnest is a better word. Um, and then, I have started watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5. Where are you watching that? On Netflix. Did they just add it? I th- yes, I think so, recently. Well, then I know what I'm going to be watching soon. Yeah. Um, cool. Honestly, not a big fan of all the Kree stuff. I don't I don't think they right. make the Kree out to be anything special. They're just, like, blue humans. Because, like, right. the Kree are okay. supposed to be these crazy warriors, but, like, regular people are beating the shit out of them. Like, all the time. Like, they're idiots. Hmm. I don't know. It's I'll have weird. To check. I'll have to, to see. Yeah. And so, like, I'm I'm now in the second arc of that during that season. Okay. So, like, they had this big setting change where they're at this place. Right. Um, where I think it was, like, a cliffhanger for last season where they're, like, in right. space. In so, a prison right. thing. So, they're, like, there for the first half of the season. And then now they're not there. And that's all uh, I'll okay. say. So, how you know how, like, they're long. Because they have, like, 22 episode seasons. Sure. So, there's, like. Two arcs. They go through so much story yeah, in, they that, do. in that show. It is crazy to me. Yeah, so much story. It's good though. Like, I'll, I, I, I should say, I enjoy it. Some of it is not great. Some of the writing is not great in the arcs, but 
I I really enjoy watching that show. Yeah. Um, also, just public service announcement. Um, Kara last night got a text from some number she didn't know that said someone complimented you. See more on here. It had like a couple of links, and she was showing it to me, and she accidentally clicked on it, and it brought her to like some spammy website thing. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, this is potentially a sex trafficking thing that they try to like ping your phone and like figure out where you are and track your phone Dear Lord, for sex trafficking purposes. Um, I don't have a confirmation on that. This is just an image that Kara shared with me that someone had reposted or reblogged or something with that caption on it. So if you get, don't click that. Yeah. If you get a message that's like that male or female, please do not click it. But Kara clicked it. So now she's freaking out, and I'm a little uncomfortable. So she's I'm going to make sure she calls Verizon to see if that kind of thing is even actually possible, which yeah, it's 2018, so I'm assuming it is. Um, Ugh. P- why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why are people so terrible? Yep. Yep, yep, Ugh. yep, yep, yep. Hey, maybe don't ever click on anything anyone sends you unless you know <laughs> right. who they are. Don't go on the internet. Yeah. Don't go out in public. <laughs> right. And don't stay in your house. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, don't stay in your house either. Because <laughs> so, yeah. then the murderers know where you are. Exactly. <laughs> so um, just, like, ascend to a higher plane mm-hmm. and um, exist solely in an incorporeal form, and then no one totally. can touch you. Except for potentially, you know the great eater of worlds who also exists on that plane. So then you have to like mm-hmm. keep ascending to higher and higher planes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So grab some crystals. Be like that football player. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do some meditation. Do some alms. <laughs> but speaking of ascending to a higher plane. Yes. I've been reading some Star Wars comics. That is the highest oh, that plane. That's a segue. <laughs> That's just a shortcut to the highest It's plane. kind of a double meaning there, because it's like a higher plane, because it's amazing, but also it's like a higher plane, because it's space. Yeah. Working it, working it from both angles. So I read um, Darth Vader Trades 3 and 4, which is like the end of the Darth Vader comic. Uh, so this takes place before the first trade of Dr. Aphra, which... Seems obvious now. Did not know it when I read the first trade of Dr. Aphra. And now I know why I was confused in the first trade of Dr. Aphra. Of like, wait, Vader's hunting her? She was pretending to be dead? I don't remember this, but it's been a while, so maybe it did happen. It hadn't happened, because I hadn't read it yet. So at least I know what's going on there. Um, I really like how Vader is written in that series... However, I think sometimes it pushes a little too far into him being, like, all-knowing, all-powerful, cannot do any wrong. Because when he's talking, like, dealing with um, the the war arc on that planet where he's kind of, like, manipulating the queen that he put into power. Right. All the, like, the... Uh, the the people that are potentially going to kill Vader, like the, the chick with all the mind gadgets and the two dark Jedi brother and sister people like the way that he's able to manipulate and defeat those people so easily. It takes a lot of the danger away is part partially what it yeah, is. Yeah. A lot of like, those I'm Darth not... Vader traits is just him being like the ultimate badass, badass right, which I'm right. of two minds on that. First mind is 
that's kind of how Vader was set up in the original trilogy as like the ultimate yeah. badass. He was he was what struck fear into people's hearts because people right. weren't necessarily afraid of the Emperor specifically. It was more so the Emperor yes. by extension. Like, or, or, yeah, because the Emperor like worked in the shadows. Right. Vader was kind of like, was like the, the, the figurehead. Yeah, exactly. Kind of the face. And so this kind of like supports that. Um, right. Because the, I all, and then like the other side of it is Anakin is such a whiny bitch that and like Hayden Christensen is so bad that I have a hard time believing the badass Vader thing. Okay. But also like now this is like extra evidence that supports the badass Vader thing because I just have right. such a hard time believing that anybody would be afraid of totally freaking stupid angst. I Vader. hate you. Exactly. Yeah. You've turned yeah. her against me. <laughs> I will not let you take her from me. <laughs> I can buy that. I, I guess it's more just it becomes a little narratively uninteresting sure. when I like he's never in danger, you know. So, but I, I really enjoy it. I like how the character's written. It just sometimes borders on I'm not as invested in what's going on because I know he's going to be fine. Yeah, but um, I, I do think having read some of Doctor Afra that it also adds tension to that story okay. because yeah. of how powerful they portray Vader, right? Um, and I also read trades three and four of Star Wars. So basically, I'm like catching up on all these old Star Wars trades after I went through and did my cataloging. Yeah. Uh, so that I I remembered the original, like the beginning of that Star Wars, the Star Wars comics, as being more of a story, or were they like random disparate issues? Because that's what I feel like it is now. Yeah, that's like that's it's what like it's random been. stories. Yeah, I I, I, and I that, think it started I, that way too. I don't love that. I, I think yeah. part of it's because, like, because I've been out of comics for so long, I've forgotten how fast comics move. Like, in the in that Darth Vader trade, like, this entire war was three issues. And it's like, I don't know. You, they move so fast through stories that I'm feeling that double in Star Wars because it's a lot of, like, one-shots, quick two, three-issue um, arcs that are like very disparate and they don't really connect to one another. And so it feels kind of scattershot and rushed, frankly. I like all the stories. There was a really good one with um, when Leia goes to a prison, yes. like a prison ship to drop Dr. Aphra off. That was a really cool arc that tied into what had happened in the Star Wars annual with a new character they introduced. So that I really liked. There's one that I'm reading. I guess I have a couple issues left of trade four, but there's an arc or maybe it was just one issue with, um, Basically, like, this secret agent group of stormtrooper badasses. They're, like, the Scar group or something. Yeah. Where, like, they were cool. I thought it was kind of cheesy. It like, was. a lot of the names were kind of lame. Like, it just felt very tropey. It felt Republic um, Commando. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that idea is cool. Like, I won't get sick of those kinds of stories. Like, random one-off characters or, like, really badass stormtroopers or Jedi or whoever else. And they've done a couple of flashback ones of Obi-Wan when he was younger, yeah. like, protecting Luke. And those have been really cool just to learn more about the character of Obi-Wan as well as young Luke. But also the art in those is phenomenal. Right. Like, it's very realistic art. Like, there's a, there's a big splash page of, like... 12 year old Luke flying this like skyhopper little mini spaceship like low on the ground and he's like yelling and he has like this really intense crinkle in his nose like the level of detail is fucking bonkers in those couple of issues yeah they look really good so 
I, I really like all of that, but again, because the art's always different, the writers are offered different, the characters are focusing, the stories are different. They don't feel it doesn't feel like I'm reading a Star Wars comic. It feels like I'm reading a bunch of random stories. Yeah, and I guess like that's why they're doing so many like character focused things like Lando and Poe and Leia right. and Han and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Like, cause that, I guess like that's where they're getting their story, but it, w- it would be nice to have like this big narrative. Um, cause we don't yeah, really have guess, that right now. Like what I would want is a larger, like you're saying a larger narrative with our core star Wars heroes between episodes four and five. And that's the main focus. And then occasionally we'll get a random side story with this person or this person or this person. Right. But now it's like we'll get a two a two issue arc of what's going on with Luke and Han, and then a one shot of this stormtrooper group, and then two flashback issues of this Obi Wan story, and then we're back with Han, Luke, Leia, and a couple other Star Wars characters for three issues, and then we're back to this old Obi Wan thing, yeah. and it's just like and it, it, it's, it's confusing. It's jumping around times too, and so it's it's yeah. too hard to like piece things together and like come up with a coherent timeline which is right. what was an issue with the old canon is that it was all over the place right. and things were like overriding each other and this feels like it's already in danger of doing that again yep yeah but at the end of the day it's still star wars comics and most really of it's good all of those yeah most of it's good so there's that so i guess that's everything we kind of been like playing watching reading um so let's dive into some news here The first story is not a good one. No. And I frankly don't have the energy. So, Kyle, how about you tell us about this fucking just bullshit going on here at Riot? Yeah, don't worry. I got this. Um, (laughs) So, Riot Games are the creators of League of Legends. Um, A very, very big MOBA. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of the... One of two MOBA giants. There's that in Dota 2. Um, they have recently come under fire for, uh, how, like just kind of some allegations centered on them about how they treat, um, women and minorities in the workforce. Um, but a lot of it is about women, like how Mm -hmm. a woman will bring up an idea in a meeting and no one will even acknowledge that she spoke. And so she'll go to her male coworker like, the next day and say, hey, in a week, could you bring this up? Because I feel like they're just mm-hmm. not listening to me. He'll do it, and then, oh, it's this amazing idea. Yeah. Um, so, like, a lot of f- women being underrepresented in the company in terms of their creative input. Um, I don't know anything beyond that. If they're, like, specific sexual harassment cases, I don't know that. But just kind of being underappreciated, underutilized, underrepresented. Um, and to be fair, it's a lot of he said, she said. Yes. It's a lot of rumor and people coming out and, and mentioning this kind of. But there have been enough stories and it's been going on long enough. Like it's been like over a month that these have been trickling out. Yeah. That it's hard to imagine that all of them are falsified. Right. So there's clearly some kind of issue going on over there. Yeah. Um, and so Riot kind of did a hard PR move and has like come out and made like a lot of statements about how they're uh, taking a look at their internal structure and a lot mm-hmm. of their management positions and the like kind of reevaluating company policy. And so, kind of as a hard move against some of those allegations, um, PAX happened recently, um, which is a big gaming convention on the West Coast. Um, happens every year, and so at PAX, Riot actually had a panel that was um, specifically about 
getting women and non-binary folks um, mm-hmm. into the gaming industry, like how you know how to get into it, how to get a job, how to make your input count, um, and it was only for women and non-binary folks. Like no one else could get into it. So a lot of men got mad because for the first time in history, they had a place <laughs> where they were not welcome. Um, right. So when faced with something that other minority or underrepresented or underappreciated groups have been faced with throughout history um they didn't take to it very well so a lot of just social media shit posting and yep. like ranting on riot a lot of forums people like sending in like threats and like awful shit like people do on the internet um yep. as you would expect from a situation like this where one one group um gets overzealous in their disappointment and entitlement. Um, so kind of in reaction to that, there were a couple employees at Riot. I'm not going to bother saying their names. If you want to know who it is, then you can look it up. Um, well, we'll ha- I'll have the link to the Game Informer story in the show notes on ShadesEverything.com. Okay. So if you yeah. want to learn more about this, you, you can certainly get a lot more context. Yeah. I know Kotaku has done some reporting on it as well, and, and Polygon. Yeah, um, and those articles will have links to other articles to provide right. greater context. So if you want to kind of get a full picture, you can. Um, one of the employees you know, used the term "man babies" on social media, and like you know, uh, like kind of re- reactively shit posting on the people who were shit posting. Right. Um, and you know, like they work for the company, so yes. they had a lot of eyes on them. Um, and it's not that they were wrong about what they were saying. It's how they were saying it. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's a double standard where we as civilians can say what the fuck ever we want, but we're not allowed to treat them, the people who work there, like people and let them have emotions and reactions, the same ones that we're allowed to have. So yeah, there's that double standard there. I mean, it's, I, it's, I get to an extent it's complicated. you're representing there, the company. Yes. It is complicated. There's a lot of gray. Um but unfortunately, people treat it like black and white, and it is a lot of gray. Um, so, uh, also, apparently, one of them had been previously told during a review that they were not a good cultural fit for the company. Um, mm-hmm. So, both of these guys were kind of known as outspoken critics of the company's kind of policies and stuff. As soon as the stuff started coming out, um, mm-hmm. they were kind of coming out against that and you know they work for the company so i'm sure that did not reflect well on them come their reviews. yeah and there's probably a good chance that in their employing con employment contract they have like a non-disparagement clause like right. you're not allowed to go out in public and say thing bad things about your employer whether or not you think that's fair that up. should be allowed that's an argument but at the end of the day if if that kind of thing's in your employment contract you fucking signed it so you're responsible for maintaining those rules right you can disagree with them but if you sign the contract I'm not saying there is a contract. I don't know that there was in this case, but yeah. I would imagine there is because there is in the vast majority of, of, of positions. Right. And and if that's in your contract, I mean, it's it's easy to say, oh, we'll just find another job. And that's not always really realistic. So what you should do is you should fight to have that removed from the contract because that is kind of a, a fucked up. It, it's, it's the company saying, hey, we get to get away with what we get away with. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think... I, 
I at the end of the day, like I'm not saying that these guys should have had to leave the company. Like one of them got fired, and the other one, it's not clear whether or not he left or he got fired. Right. Obviously, what is happening over there? There are a lot of problems. It's good that they tried to course correct and have a thing that was specifically just for women and not and non-binary people that kind of promote that. I think that's a great idea. The fact that they got backlash of it because of it, fucking of course they did because internet gaming dudes are the worst. But um, it's it kind of comes down to like even taking the employment part out of it, the whole idea of like sinking to their level. That's kind of what it comes down to for me. Like these two guys, I get it. I get the frustration, but at the end of the day, you're sinking to their level. You're fighting fire with fire, and that's not how you're going to accomplish anything. Right. And that's where I think that that kind of um, non-disparagement stuff comes into play. If you have problems with an organization, those need to be raised at the organization. And if they're not doing anything about it, you need to, one, find other employment in a place that respects you, which I know is harder to said than done. But if you really believe in what you're saying and that place of work is not maintaining what you think it needs to maintain, you should get out. Because then otherwise, you're not really standing behind your beliefs. Or at least you're not doing it in the best way. Like, what I'm trying to say is, like, going out and bitching about your employer on Twitter is going to get nothing done. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's what, at the end of the day, that's what these guys did. It sucks that's the position. I'm not saying they necessarily deserve to get fired. I don't know what else was going on with them. There's totally a potential that there were other bad things happening at the time. Or they weren't a good cultural fit. But... It's a it's a complicated situation. That's the most that you can say about it. Right. The, at the at the at the end of the day, the core thing for me is about the negative culture going on over there, and that that is being brought to light is a positive, and that at least they're talking the talk right now. We'll see if they continue to walk the walk, but it seems like they're trying to fix something. I don't know. It like why is this something they need to fix? Why was this ever a problem? Is a separate argument. Yeah, but it sucks. I, I don't like, even uh, know what else to like, say. About I, it. I, you and I, I think, are both on the same page in that we. It's important to give people and companies room to grow and learn and make changes. Right. Yes. Like, don't vilify for a thousand years based off of <laughs> something shitty that's happened. You know, like yeah. al- allow room to grow. Um, Riot is saying that the firing of the two employees was independent of the controversy, which I feel like that's bullshit. But again, we don't know. Right. We don't know. Well, and I think independent of the controversy might be different. Like, it might have something to do with what they said on Twitter. It's not what, it's not like the topic. Sure. It's the way that they handled themselves. And that is separate than the controversy. Because that could be about anything. At the end of the day, they're talking shit about their employer on Twitter, like be an adult. Like, why would you do that? Like everyone gets fired for that. That happens all the time. Not just in like public facing things, like in reality, like someone that works at fucking Barnes and Noble that goes and bitches about their boss on Twitter. They're going to get fired because they're going to get caught. Stop being a fucking idiot. If if you're like, if you hate your job, if you hate who you work for, do something about it. Posting on Twitter is not doing anything about it, but it's easy and it makes you feel good in the moment. And that's all we care about. Right. So there was that little shitty bit of shit. Yeah. And it's complicated, man. Because honestly, a lot of this kind of stuff, I don't like to talk about on the podcast just because, like, we can't do anything about it. Sure. And it sucks. But sometimes, and, and in this case, I think it is important to 
show support where we can with this, you know, our small little audience to at least get out there and, and bring attention to it and show support for the people that are struggling through these things. Right. As two straight white men, <laughs> I, who, it is who, important yeah, to to be a supportive the, voice. Yeah, we have the ability. Yes. Uh, we have the privilege to be able to talk about this stuff in an open way. So right. When we, we, we don't get it. We don't face the same struggles. We don't know what that is like. So all we can do is help bring attention to the problems right. and be a supportive voice for it. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, like, so po- a positive is that, uh-huh. you know, that PAX panel, that is a positive thing that happened. Yes, like, 100%. Regardless of how you feel about being excluded, if you are a, a cisgendered male... Like and you're disappointed that you were excluded, you also can't say that it wasn't good for this group of marginalized people. Like right. you, if if you say that, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just objectively wrong. Like and it may not have been good for you, but it was good for someone, and it was good right. for some people who don't get the same options that you do. So just be well, happy not, for them. And it's yeah, it's not like it was bad for right. the people that couldn't go. Like yes. Would it be great for them to also be able to go and listen and learn? Sure, but they they wanted to create that safe environment where only people that are on the same page that deal with the same issues have a, a forum to discuss those issues. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous, man. Yeah. Like, if, if, if a bunch of people that don't struggle with, with drinking were to go to AA and try to help and talk about what it's like to be an alcoholic, that's not conducive to healing. Like... The alcohol, like the people in AA, like would be like, "Fuck off, dude!" Like you don't know what this is like. I equated a lot to the Black Lives Matter thing, which there's a lot of other stuff with Black Lives Matter that made it, in a lot of cases, not a great movement. But at the core of it, what it was about was, "Hey, we need to draw attention to this shit that's happening right now." Right. And a lot of the response, primarily from white people, was, "It's not Black Lives Matter; it's all lives matter." Which, fucking, yes, fine, good sentiment. But my thing is, like, that's not what we're talking about right now. Yes, of course all lives matter, but we're focusing on this one thing right now. We'll get to you guys in a minute. There are so many problems, you can't attack a problem by living up in the stratosphere. You need to get down into the details of it. And and just because you're addressing one problem doesn't mean you can't also address other problems at the same time. Yeah. Because the whole let ar- the people, whole like let people have their shit, <laughs> right? It's not affecting you in any way, right? That, that's that's what's so frustrating is like it doesn't affect you in any way. Why are you bitching about it? Like I want to ask these these dudes because they're all dudes. Like why are you legitimately? Why are you upset about it? Why? Why are you mad that they got to have this? Because they're not going to have an answer, right? Well, but it's like it's it's uh, replacing sexism with sexism. No, it fucking isn't. Them having one little meeting that men aren't allowed to go into, that's not sexism. Fuck off. Come on. But enough of that. Anyways. Um, some, some, some good stuff came out cool of PAX. Um, there was, like, you had on here a list of cool indie games, and you took it off. I did take it off because I did not have time to look at it. Oh, okay. Did you look at it? Um, well, all right. So there was like, um... <sighs> see, this is why I took it off because now we're talking about the games well, at now... PAX West, and we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Well, now, like, I don't remember the name of the game, but it was this cool, like, right? First... So it's useless. It was this cool, like, uh, like, 
multiplayer first person shooter had like a really cool like 3D but also like 16-bit art style like pixelated graphics art styles first person shooter competitive like team versus team and you could like draw and plan and stuff beforehand it's kind of like a tactical thing like hey we're gonna go this way you're gonna do that way and you would draw on the map before the match and on like during the match you could actually see the drawings on like the floor and like i don't know it was cool that's a cool idea i don't play competitive sure. multiplayer so i'm not gonna play right. it but like that's a cool thing for people who are into that kind of scene like i could see people that are into rainbow six siege being into a game like that um then there's also like the Untitled Goose Game, which looks fucking awesome. Playing as a goose right. and messing around. I did around watch. With dudes. I watched that trailer. That was cool. Also, Ooblets. Ooblets looks phenomenal. That's like that Pokemon. It's that a Pokemon-like game where it has like these cutesy 3D graphics and like you're getting all these fun little creatures and you have like a farm or a home or something. And they to- they originally it was going to be like an act or a-, a turn-based battle system, but they totally changed the way it worked. Uh, semi-recently into, like, this kind of a card system where you have, like, essentially mana, and each card has a certain mana cost, and Mm. it has, like, a random draw pool from the abilities of the... I'm just going to call them Pokemon that you have at the time. Right. Ooblets. Looks like a lot of fun. There's Um, some decent games on there, Shay, and you pulled them off. I didn't say there weren't decent games. I just did not have time to look at it, and you had not added any notes about it either, and so I figured you also did not look at it. But that game is called Due Process that you're referencing. Yes, Due Process, that multiplayer game, yes. Um, uh, There's also Gris, uh, which is uh, some kind of like a platformer that has really interesting art style, kind of a hand Very old-school animated, yeah. Yeah. Uh um, there's an Indivisible, which is like a beat 'em up, uh, with a more cartoony art style. Um, uh, it's kind of like one of those classic side-scrolling, you know, like TMNT arcade cabinet beat 'em up games. Um, there was yeah, some stuff. Uh, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. Uh, Young Souls, which is another kind of beat 'em up with fun art. There's some there's some indie games, man. But o- man, <laughs> there Ooblets, usually are a pack. Looks great. I'll have to check out Ooblets. That sounds cool. Um so excuse me. Um we did get new information on two highly anticipated releases. Yes. So if some for some reason you've been living under a rock for the last two weeks, uh CD Project Red, Project Red, put out a 48-minute gameplay demo of Cyberpunk 2077. Which is insane. It is very insane. I really don't want to be jaded about it, but there is no way they can do what they say they're trying to do. I just cannot believe that. The level of intricacy and choice, how many different ways you can accomplish goals, I just don't know how you can build something like that. But look what they did with Witcher 3. I mean, a, yeah, a, lo- a lot of not, that. It like, was there were not at this level. That. No, but like I can see how they would get from Witcher Three to this. I can also see that. It's just the the scalability of it. Sure. This was a forty eight minute demo, and the pitch was like, "This is a side quest," and I'm like, "Okay, no." Like I just don't, I just don't buy it. And well, it's not thing, like, nothing the, against the side them. I just in Witcher don't. Three were some of the best parts of it. But and that's like, not it my had point. amazing writing. And they that's were pretty lengthy, too. 
yes, it, it's not about the length. It's not about the quality. It's not about the writing. It's about the the different ways that you could go about accomplishing that goal. It's like near infinite ways that you could finish that quest. And my point about it being a side quest is there will be dozens of those plus dozens of main story quests. I don't see how you can have all of those dots tied with all of the red strings and have it be a cohesive thing that won't break. That's what I'm saying. It's not, it has nothing to do with the ambition or the writing or the quality of their previous games. I just don't see how structurally you can do that without it breaking. Because like the Bethesda games, they're as close as any other game is to doing that kind of thing, that emergent gameplay. And those games break all the time. This is taking that concept times a billion. How, are the, how is it going to work? That, that's, that's all I'm coming from. It's not that I'm not excited. That demo was fucking crazy. Like, the destructibility in the environments, the different guns. I love all the, like, modding that you do to your body. All that shit is so fucking rad. It's just, like, the the, mecha- the, the, the behind-the-scenes structure of the game, I just don't believe that that is possible to do. We'll see, obviously. It's, bro, it's 2018. I have faith. Well, the game's not coming out until like 2021, so yeah. maybe by then. I mean, it's gonna, but in like even like graphically, like and that destructibility, like all of those little side things that you can go do. I just don't believe that you can have a whole game like that's thousands and thousands of hours of content. I just don't believe that you can make that and have it ever come out because you'll always it's gonna be fucking Star Citizen. Like if that's really what they're trying to do, I, I don't know. I'm trying not to be jaded about it. I st- it looks amazing. I just don't. I just can't buy it yet. I can't buy it yet. Well, yeah, it's not out. <laughs> I also it's smaller ooh. things. I didn't love the main voice actor that that played V. I didn't love her acting. I didn't think it was that good. Yeah, she was all right. The the movement felt kind of floaty and imprecise but uh, granted it's not out so all of that i'll i'll give a pass yeah, but there were there were some other up. little things about it where i was kind of like eh. i liked how the sub- they, like, i liked how the subtitles appear like in 3d uh like space above the characters who are speaking it how like yeah like people who are farther away that say something like the text is a little smaller and it's kind of like around their head you know what i mean okay i, I like yeah. that okay it's a really, really cool world. Like, yeah. what they have built, it's like, you know, it's Blade Runner, the video game, and that's really awesome, and I can't believe hadn't been done this way before, probably just because it was too ambitious. Um, so, yeah, I, very, very excited to see more of that game. Totally want them to prove it to me. They just haven't yet. This was a very good start. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. We also got a big info dump on Fallout 76. So we've had a lot of little news stories trickle in and out. They put out a bunch of videos primarily focused on like how the multiplayer works. A lot of really cute, funny videos like their kind of style. Right. But this, there was like a big interview that they did where they talked more about actually what you're fucking going to do in the game. Which right. is the, the like, piece like that has been missing. How the systems missing. interact and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So... so, so yeah. A lot of details. Andrew Reiner from Game Informer, he actually got to go to Bethesda Studios and, like, sit down and talk with the dev team um, and, like, ask a lot of questions. And, you know, they, they showed him, you know, parts of the game and stuff. Um, so here's just kind of, like, uh, some main bullet points, some things that we might not necessarily have seen already. 
Um, yeah, so, some of this stuff I feel like they had already talked about, but it was like a reconfirmation, and it, it's framed a little more, a little more cohesively. But yeah, yeah. Um, so they've said every human you see is human, and that has led to a lot of people like, okay, but like, who are then, then like the world will be empty, right? Well, no, they're saying there's a lot of robot NPC characters like Codsworth and stuff mm-hmm. from like Fallout Four, like the Mister Handies and the different robots. Um, there are a lot of them that function as like your vendors and your quest givers. They did say there are no dialogue choices though. Mm-hmm. So if you like go up to talk to them, like they're just gonna say like, "Hey, do this, and I'll give you this." I, I think there's kind of. They said there will be some personalities that I'm right. They're sure like people will like um, or will be drawn to like certain robo personalities that they'll like, um, but no dialogue choices just kind of as an an effort to kind of streamline that i guess i'm sure there still will be like stories and conversations yeah versus just like you walk up at the end they say like oh go do this and then you go do it and that's it there you just won't have dialogue choice in, in right. those conversations um you will launch the nukes at the end of the campaign so mm-hmm. when you finish the campaign that's kind of when you unlock the ability to start doing that and kind of getting those codes together um the main overseer quest, so the main campaign, that's a lengthy multi-part story that will take you all over the map. Speaking of the map, it is four times larger than Fallout 4, so yeah. Fallout 16. Yeah, um, I'm really curious to see how that works, because the map on Fallout 4 is pretty fucking big yeah. and really well littered with things to discover, yeah, particularly so in the cities. That's what they I'm said, cur- is this is more full of stuff than any Fallout game. That I'm really curious to see, because how... Like, if there are no people, there's no civilization yet, so, how does that work? That's what I want to see. Some stuff. Um, uh, I'll kind of jump down to kind of address that. So there are dynamic events that will occur. Um, kind of mm-hmm. like how they had their, like, Radiant Quest system in Skyrim and, like, in Fallout 4. You know, you had, like, the settlement stuff that would be happening all the time. Or, like, just random events and, like, stuff would happen. Um, these are, they kind of, like, point you towards these events that kind of happen in the world. Um, sometimes they're like team events. So like they want to, you, they want to have you like pull people together, even if mm-hmm. like you're not quote unquote in the same like team or squad. Um, and it's important to note that during those events, PVP is turned off. So if mm-hmm. you accidentally shoot them, it doesn't like start the PVP process, um, which we've talked about before on the podcast. Um, so like you get a lot of rewards from that, and that, that that's like a good early thing to do to get supplies and like rare drop stuff and, and like better weapons and ammo and all that. Um, so those like dynamic events occur throughout the world. There are um um ba 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 ba. Did I put a bit on that? No. Um. So there are like resource pockets. Where, like, if you were to build your settlement there, you could tap into that resource, and it, it kind of, like, right. generates that resource for you. So, like, oh, there's, like, a pocket of aluminum here. I'm going to build my base here, spend some time, like, letting a thing mine it, and I'll come back. Like, I'll go out and quest, get junk, come back, and then I'll pack up and go to a next resource point. Um, there are also, like, these little shelters that have supplies in them that you and your friends can hold for a little while, and it'll get attacked by waves of enemies, but you're getting good stuff. Um, and like other people from around the map are going to be looking for those too. So kind of compete for them. Um, they're not necessarily meant for you to be there long term. They're there for you to kind of like do a wave based run on this thing mm-hmm. where enemies are attacking. And you're getting stuff. Um, 
So like they're kind of they're littering the map with that kind of stuff, just like unique locations. You know, they've showed off like all those like special enemies and stuff that you can go hunt um, that are based on like superstition, tall tales from around that right, area. Right. Um, they'll have those littered throughout the map. And the map is kind of like zone level based for the first time. Um, so there was some of this in New Vegas where you would go to an area and it's like, this is the Deathclaw area. Maybe don't <laughs> yeah. go here for a while. But this is very like, there are six areas and they all kind of have like a level range assigned to them. So you could like from the get go run out of the main vault and like go across the map. But you're going to get beat the crap up um, yeah. because it is kind of level based. Um, and they did it like that has been present in like Fallout Four. They did that, but it was a lot softer, right? So that like if this you went beyond the map, a, like into the whatever the whatever it was called, the something C, yeah, the, the glowing C, or whatever, C. glowing C, like that kind of area where you would find people that are much higher level than you. Certain um, like if you went to the area with like super mutants and stuff, where they kind of are, those guys are going to be harder. Right. But this, it's like it's a, it's a little more not literally gated but Seems there are like much gamified. higher jumps yes yeah yeah um uh speaking of like levels there is no level cap so you just keep going um but the way the perks work yeah it you it it, it ends up stop it stops being supremely beneficial to you once you hit a certain level cap like a soft cap i guess Right, and so, like, basically the way the perks work, you have a perk loadout that's built from, like, a card deck that you assign. So as you level up, you get to, like, increase the number of total points you can have in your card deck, and then you're getting better versions of those cards. Yeah. Um, and so, like, your perks are leveling up, kind of, and you kind of pick which perk you want. And you can have, like, different perk sets for different situations like if you're playing solo you might want a different loadout than if you're playing with a group because if you're playing with a group you can have one of your cards that's shared with everyone so you want to do like have kind of like specialize different people in your group to make sure you know you're not all using the same buffs for the whole group kind of thing so there's like Mm -hmm. some fun like some teamwork and some planning there um so like that seems interesting and like kind of a, a fun change. Um, obviously, like there's no microtransactions or anything. You you get extra cards from leveling up and and, and doing stuff. Um, there's a photo mode for your player ID badge because people care about that kind of stuff. Um, also, private servers are not available at launch, so that's the wording they're using. So it's implied mm-hmm. they will come later. Um, and Which is also, when you'd probably be able to mod and that kind correct, of thing. Correct, yeah. But obviously they want to make sure the game works before they sure. let you break it. Um, and then like they're also kind of there was kind of an allusion to maybe some factions that allow larger player or groups of players down the road, maybe. Because um, hmm. right now it's it's going to be limited to four player teams. So maybe right. there's some sort of like a clan or faction system right. that they're planning on implementing, which could be interesting. Um, and speaking of that, they did reiterate that there aren't going to be that many people on a server at a time. Right. Like on an instance, which lends credence to the whole, like, if you want to play this thing by yourself, you can. Yeah, and that was a, a good heavy chance. focus on this yeah. particular article. There's a good chance, like, you will never run across another player because the space is so large. And, like, I think it was, like, it's, like, 24 players max per server. Yeah. And so if the map is four times the size of Fallout 4 and there are only 23 other human beings there, there's a decent chance you're never going to see someone unless you try to seek them out. Yeah. Which is cool. And, like, odds are you're going to find people by hearing their gunshots. 
and then you right. can kind of choose, hey, do I want to go over there near that person where those gunshots are coming from, or do I want to try and head away from that because I don't right. want to deal with people? Um, and then, you know, they have their whole kind of their intricate PvP um, setup. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also kind of a, like a survival progression. So, like once you get your base built up and you have like hunger and thirst taken care of, like it's not a problem anymore. That's when you should be kind of at a level to where you can go to new areas that are going to have like toxic air or radiation. So you're going to have to start, you know, building Managing and progressing that, yeah. through. So it has kind of a survival progression like a lot of those games tend to have, um, which is which is good for me because I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, also, kind of a final note. um, your settlement disappears from the game world when you log off, so people can't grief your settlement while you're right. logged off, which is good. Um, they did say they kind of had a group of, like, 12 people who they weren't all in the same party because you can only have a group of four, but, like, when they were testing it, they had a group of 12 people that all built their settlements next to each other and made kind of, like, this big, like, ramshackle city. Yeah. Um, but, like, obviously, when someone logs off, their stuff isn't there anymore. So right. they was kind of like, hey, we all need to be on so we can determine where our stuff is and where our plots are. And then no one build there kind of when you're off. But, like, that kind of an idea of, like, building a community like that sounds fun. Sounds kind of Yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, it feels a little Minecrafty. Yeah. Except for the fact that your stuff goes away when you log off, which right. I get why they did it that way, but... That kind of takes away some of that community feeling because you yeah. can't enjoy other people's things unless they're on with you. Right. But if you're primarily going to be playing with the core group of friends, you'll always be online at the same time anyway. It won't really affect you as much. Right. And you know, you know, who knows when private servers come? I'm sure someone will find a way to make it right. so that you know your stuff stays on. Yeah. Um, and if it's a private server, you can control who's on there, so you know right. you're not going to have any trolls that'll exactly. break your stuff. Yeah. Um. So. Shaping up, like, this is kind of a whole world of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, God, I I just hope it comes together okay. And it isn't just completely and utterly broken for months and months. But um, they definitely, they they continue to say the right things. I'll give them that much. You know, for someone that was maybe a little trepidatious when it was first announced. And then, like, I've been up and down on it a lot since it was announced. You know, even at the Bethesda showcase. I, my my opinion was going up and down throughout Todd Howard's pitch. The the more I hear about it, the more clear it has become that they're really thinking about all of the potential problems and solving for those, which makes me feel a lot more at ease that this is going to be a good experience with a different style of the games that I love. You know, yeah. So. It seems like they're they're very like they're hyper aware. Yes, I mean they're they're one of the most talented development studios there is. So I'm not I'm not surprised. Much like we talk about Cyberpunk, like I will not be surprised if CD Projekt Red can pull this off. I mean, I will be surprised, but I'll be less surprised because of how awesome they are as a studio. You know, so yeah, those kind of elite people have earned a lot more trust for sure. All right, so a couple of announcements. So THQ, which we talked about last episode, is having acquired Time Splitters and Second Sight. Yeah. They have also acquired the rights to the Kingdoms of Amalur franchise, which, if we remember, it was a decent game. Not great, but it had some ideas that came out several years ago from 38 Studios. Shortly after the game came out, the studio filed for bankruptcy because they were in debt to the state of New Jersey from a loan and they couldn't pay it, so they had to go away. And it was kind of run by Kurt Schilling, who was an ex-baseball player that decided he wanted to make a video game one day. It was a whole fucking rigmarole. 
It was a pretty good game, though, and it's a bummer that we didn't get to see them explore that more. They were working right. on an MMO existing in the same universe where, like, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning was meant as, like, a lead-in to the actual MMO, which was called Project Copernicus. So THQ has acquired the Kingdoms of Amalur rights as well as the rights to the work that was had been done on Project Copernicus. So probably safe to say they're going to continue along and do something with that. Which is pretty cool, because it was a really cool unit. I mean, it was, you know, a fantasy, somewhat generic, but, like, it's still good. It's still cool universe, so. In in a world where there are a lot of really bad (laughs) B-tier, like, fantasy third-person adventure games, uh, this was actually a pretty decent one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so curious to see more from them. Um, Also, 505 Games have come out and said that they're going to be publishing an unannounced game coming from Typhoon Studios. So Typhoon Studios is a new studio formed by former Ubisoft Montreal and uh, Warner Brothers Montreal folks. A lot of people that worked on like the Arkham games, Assassin's Creed, that kind of stuff, have this new studio, Typhoon Studios. And 505 Games, they were infamous back in the day. They put out a lot of really bad games. There was like a, uh, what's his name? It was a swimming game. What's the swimmer? Oh, uh, the dude who did pot, who smoked pot. Yeah, and yeah, the Olympian dude. For it. What's, his, what's his name? I was just talking about him to Kelly, like, yesterday. Uh, Whatever. Anyways. Everyone knows who we're talking about. Yeah. They made a game, like a swimming game. They, they put out Naughty Bear, which is a very bad video game. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, they were kind of, not like a joke, but they put out a lot of bad games. They've been trying to course correct and put out a lot more quality projects. So, like, they, they published Abzu. They... <clears throat> they published Virginia last year, which was a bit hit or miss, but had some cool ideas. They're currently working um, on that Kickstarter project, Bloodstained, from the Castlevania creator. Right. And so now they've announced that they're they're putting this out. Oh, they're also publishing Control, the new Remedy game. So they have like a lot which of really exciting good. projects. Which looks yeah. really good. Yeah. So this is like potential, given their current track record of publishing good games... There's some reason to be excitement about not only the pedigree of Typhoon, but kind of working with that publisher. So could be something cool. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the Nintendo Cloud Save problems. Yeah. So this is kind of a weird thing that popped up. Um, so re- recently, people have noticed that kind of on the on the backs of um, certain game cases or kind of like an updated, um, uh, kind of like a what is that called like all, all the little bits of information that would be on the back of a game case to tell you like what the requirements are and all that kind okay. of stuff um so because nintendo's um online uh what do you want to call it um, service service thank you their online services is is coming um some of those games have been like the backs of them or the descriptions have been updated people have noticed that several of them are saying that they don't support cloud saves um, so it looks like currently that will be Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, Dark Souls Remastered, Dead Cells, FIFA 19, NBA 2K19, and Splatoon 2. None of those will support cloud saves because Nintendo says that people could use cloud saves to potentially, like, get items that they shouldn't have anymore, or I'm guessing in the case of Pokemon, get Pokemon they shouldn't have anymore, and, like, basically to stop people from cheating. So they're Weird. just going to disable cloud saves. Which so is the a, cloud saves, that's part of the... Their online service. Yeah, like it's that you're paying for. That. That's part of the benefits. Yeah, that seems yeah. not awesome. 
and like this is it's what happens when you design and roll out an online service after you launch the console and like without giving developers enough information on how it's going to work because you yourself doesn't know how it's going how it's going to work because you're Nintendo yeah. and you don't know how to do an online service. Yeah. So like of course this would happen because how would developers know to make this work properly like to ping servers properly in such a way where this wouldn't be an issue. Um so you won't be able to use cloud saves with those games. Now, the number of people that will affect is probably, I would assume, kind of small. Um, I don't know, like, the number of people that would engage in cloud saves, but... Um, I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah, I, like, just as a way of backing up your stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's why people do it with their PlayStation stuff. And right. with Switch, it's even better, because then you're bringing your thing over to your friend's house, like, and you don't... The, the, the uh, hard drive is not that large on the actual tablet itself so that's that true. seems it seems like an even bigger benefit for a switch than it would be a ps4 yeah that's true um and i guess you know if it's a system that you're bringing places the odds of something happening to it yeah uh increase so yeah it sucks it does like, yeah they don't know what they're doing when it comes to online no. at all and i don't get it like japan is one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world and how, how, how many? Have, how have they not figured this out? How many examples? Yeah, like decades right. of, of yeah, examples. Yeah, it's not like they need to reinvent the wheel. Services. Yeah, yeah. But no, and, and then we also have that stupid fucking Splatoon two headset right. debacle. Right. Like they don't even have a fucking voice chat, chat API yeah. in their damn console. You have to use your, your phone. Yep. You know what else is on <laughs> phone? The Discord app. Just fucking <laughs> use a Discord app. Right stupid it's pretty anyways dumb. it is it's very dumb that's nintendo's motto very dumb <laughs> at least they make good games because otherwise they would be very irrelevant but see uh, i'm even questioning that these days oh man I, yeah i gotta just i know i know you you were very disappointed in legend of zelda and you didn't really care about odyssey and i had my issues with zelda but mario odyssey it was my game of the year last year like that game is super good uh, and they got plenty of other stuff. Like, I'm really excited about Yoshi and... Um, they haven't given else. me Animal Crossing or Metroid, which means they have yeah, really fucked but up. but they're working... You know they're working on Metroid, and you know they're going to put out an Animal Crossing. I don't know that. Why? They've been putting because out tons they have of them the, on 3 they have the mobile game. Oh. Yeah, but it's a totally different experience. I just... I don't... I don't trust that they're going to make one for Switch. We'll see. I mean, they did shit all on the Wii U. Well, that's because no one fucking bought the Wii U. They didn't want to invest a bunch of resources in that. I don't know, man. I'm burned. <laughs> I've been burned, third degree. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a public service announcement, but uh, EA came out and said that there will be a demo for Anthem next year. comes out on February 1st. So it's only available for people that pre-order, obviously. But the, the reason this is newsworthy, there was a quote... I don't I don't recall who it was from, but one of the you know people over there said the the demo is a demo. It's not a technical test. So just real quick, I feel like I should mention the demo is happening February first, and the game comes out February twenty second. So how do they plan on implementing any feedback they get from the demo? What people say about the game? They're gonna redesign something when it comes out in three weeks? No. Well, no, because this it's is a, a demo. technical test. No, it's a technical test. 
Well, no, you don't release a demo to then make changes. You release a demo because it's a, an accurate representation of the final product so that people can know if they're going to buy them or not. This is not a beta. That this is not a, a fair technical point. test. It's a demo. I, I, I rescind my snark. You are, you are right. This is yeah. not a beta. My problem is those things have become so intertwined and grayed right. that people treat betas like demos and demos like betas. Yes, y- yeah. you are right. They're there are less like demos nowadays demo. than there ever have been. Yes, because like they, everybody demos. does a beta, which right. is effectively just a demo. Yeah, they want you to QA for them. Yeah. Okay. I, yes, I rescind my snark. There is nothing <laughs> wrong with this. So, demo, February 1st. You can check it out and know whether or not you want to you get Anthem. Which, obviously, I was going to do anyway. For me, it was more, like, annoyed yeah. that they were waiting so long. But it makes right. sense why they're waiting so and long. The dumb thing is, though, you still have to pre-order it to play the demo. Yeah, Normally, the demo pre-order. would be available for everyone. Yeah. Because that's how you're going to know if you want to pre-order it. <laughs> right. right. But whatever. At least you can cancel the pre-order. Yeah. Um, okay. So, moving into the world of television. Mixture between television and video games. It is official that Henry Cavill is playing Geralt in the Netflix The Witcher series. So, yeah. Can't wait to not watch it. You're going to watch it. I don't know. So am I. I just don't think it's going to be as good because I don't think he's a good actor. Yeah, I mean, he's not. It, it, when has he being... done something like really good? I know, man. Like, I mean, to I... be fair, Geralt is not the most expressive of characters, and that's that is no, 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 because that was a whole thing which I wrote down here to talk about. Because in the Giant Mom Facebook group, that was people's reactions. They had two reactions, like saying that it was a good thing. They said one, oh, he's a video game player. This is perfect casting. Which, like, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? And two. Oh, yeah, the character of Geralt is supposed to be a bit of a stoic character. He doesn't show that much emotion. So the fact that Henry Cavill is a bit of a boring actor is a perfect fit. Like, no, dude, that's not how acting works. I know. It, it means that you need someone who's really good to be able to pull off the subtlety yes, that's needed to display 100% what is To available. still be compelling. Right. Because if, if you have a boring actor playing a character without much personality, guess what? It's going to be a boring character. The reason Geralt is still interesting is because the actor did a good job bringing that subtlety, that charisma, to a more stoic character. That doesn't fuck... Like, I'm just like, you guys don't know how acting works. And not the pretentious, not the pretentious, like, well, I'm an actor, so I know all the behind the scenes. But just like, you don't know what good acting is. Like, a boring person should play a boring character. Really? That's your logic? A boring person should you. play nobody ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm not super pumped by this. Um, so we'll see. It's still a really promising idea. This could make a very, very good show, especially on Netflix where you know they're going to throw millions of dollars at it and let them do, like, let the creators be creative. This is the showrunner of this, is, or I should say the executive producer of this was a producer on Daredevil and Defenders. Take that for what you will. Okay. I think Defenders. I think Defenders is good. Or sorry, Daredevil is good. Defenders was not so good. But um, we'll see. This this Henry Cavill was the first person that she met with about this role, and then after months of meeting with other people, she kind of came back to him as being the perfect fit. So maybe that means something. But I just 
I have yet to see Henry Cavill in anything and say, yes, he did a good job. So that's maybe where I'm this from. will be the thing. Yeah, maybe. The Witcher Netflix show. Because <laughs> people are like, oh, he was so good in Mission Impossible Fallout. And Liar. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was bad. He was, he was so far and away the worst part of that. He was terrible in that movie. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. He's as transparent as my fucking window. Yeah. Whatever. Finally, we got a teaser trailer for season six, the final season of House of Cards. So I know, Kyle, you don't have an opinion on this, but I wanted to bring it up because this is very interesting from a behind-the-scenes perspective. So we talked about all the shit that went down with Kevin Spacey about a long time ago. There were all these sexual harassment allegations with underage boys bad stuff and so he got fired from a lot of productions he got fired from house of cards but he like was this show he was the character and yes i mean robin wright is phenomenal in this show the two of them like give them all the emmys they are both so fucking amazing on this show but without like he is the core of the show he's the central piece of it and they were already like the way that season five ended I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail because some people might not care. But, like, because the whole show, like, uh, Kevin Spacey breaks the fourth wall and talks directly to the audience. That's one of the conceits of it. He's the only character that does that. At the end of season five, or I guess it's at the end of season four, there's a moment right at the end where Robin Wright is, like, sitting there and she, like, looks at the camera. And I get chills thinking about it because it was like a holy fuck. She's also doing this it's not just him she's also doing it and then all of season five i don't think she ever references that again and then right at the end of season five she looks back at the camera and she says a whole thing of like i knew you guys have been there the whole time i just i haven't wanted to waste my time with you like frank has who's the kevin spacey's character and the way the season ends is he's the president she's the vice president he gets impeached and resigns so she becomes the president because as part of the plan was, I'm going to resign, you'll become president, you'll pardon me, and then I'll help you run things from behind the scenes. And she's like, yeah, sure, sounds good. So he resigns, she becomes president, she doesn't, uh, what, what word did I just Pardon use? him. Pardon, thank you. I don't know how I lost the word when I just said it. She doesn't pardon him and effectively like goes against him and is like, yeah, we're going to prosecute this guy the best we can. I'm leaving him. And so there's a moment where he's like, oh, fuck. This whole thing, like, he knows how to manipulate everybody to get what he wants. He's like God on this show, and then he gets beat. Like, the only time where he legit gets beat. And that's how season five ends. And the whole thing is, like, they kind of go back and forth where they're on the same team, and then they're against each other, then they're on the same team, then they're against each other. And I always felt like the show worked best when they were a team. But when they were against each other, it was still interesting because they're both so amazing. And in this, it was like, this is the last straw. It's fucking war. I want to see how this is going to play out. And now, because they fired him, in this teaser trailer for season six, it is Robin Wright at his grave. So they just kill him off. And obviously, he's not going to be in the show at all. So it's like, how are they going to write their way into that? What's the story going to be without that conflict between the two of them? I'm just very conflicted. People are very upset about this. I don't blame them for firing Kevin Spacey. It's it's a complicated situation because it's a bunch of he said, she said, as it always is. But at the end of the day, like I feel like a better move would be to 
just stop the show. I don't right. feel like continuing. I don't, it doesn't feel right to continue along with this. I look at it like on the Roseanne show. So they brought Roseanne back. And Roseanne Barr said this really fucking racist thing. And so they fired her and they canceled the show. And people were like, dude, don't cancel the show. It's been really good. Just write her off and let everyone else be on it. And so that's what they're doing. They're rebooting the show as just the rest of the family where she isn't on it. Where it's a separate show. It's a separate story. And that's it. Whereas this, it's like, this is the final season of this series. And the main character is no longer on it. But it was a huge cliffhanger. And that was going to be the story for season six. I just, I don't blame them for getting rid of him, but I don't see how the show is going to work without him. So I'm just really conflicted. I have to watch it. Like I have to see this thing through, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not super happy about the way this all worked out, but we'll see what happens with it. It's still, it had its ups and downs in the later seasons, but it still to me is one of the best television shows I've ever seen. It's so fucking good. And I just hope that the last season can do it justice without him on it. That goes back to something I've said before is. Yes, people need to face the repercussions for what they've done. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we shouldn't still give them the opportunity to produce something worthwhile you know what i mean right and like i i get i get why he can't be there but it's also a shame that he can't be there mm-hmm. because he could mm-hmm. still he's still a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. like he's still so good and the fact that he did those things doesn't change the fact that he's a good actor because he's been a good actor like allegedly did those things i guess i should say um because he's been a good actor all along, so clearly that doesn't affect it. It's just now that we we think we know. So that's the only part that's changed. Yeah, but there's also, like, assuming he did a very bad thing, he should be punished for that. Like, you shouldn't yes. just get off, be- uh, get off because he's a good actor, you know? It, yes. It's complicated. It is. I, it, yeah. There, there's, I, I don't, there's not a good answer. Right. I, I don't blame them for making I don't I don't blame them for moving forward the way that they have. I just don't know that I want that. Right. Is 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 what it comes down to. So that's kind of it, man. Um I my hate of the week was just kind of that apathetic feeling which I'm working myself out of, which which is good, so we don't need to to talk anymore about that, but um want to mention before we close, we haven't had any emails for a couple episodes here. Yeah. So if you have any questions for us, any comments about what we're talking about, any ideas, um, things you want us to, to talk about, uh, kind of topic points, send an email to info at shayhateseverything.com or you can leave a comment on uh, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash shayhateseverything or uh, message me on Twitter at shay underscore castle and we will fucking talk about that because that's what we do for two and a half hours every other week. (laughs) It's talk about everything. So uh, do that. And as always, we will close the episode with something we don't hate. So I'll say that I don't hate being excited for a video game again. I've been feeling like new stuff has been coming out. Like even Guacamelee 2. I really wanted to be into it, and yet I have it, and I'm not super motivated to play it. But Spider-Man, diving into it, I want to play Spider-Man. So I'm glad to have that game that I can kind of anchor myself on again. That's good. 
Um, I don't hate that the fall play has now started, and we are kind of entering our first week of full rehearsals, so digging into it. Even with all the hard work and the stress? Yeah, yeah. But it's worth it, man. It's it, art. it is. I always you feel gotta suffer I, for your art. I always feel worth it afterwards. Never sure. in the process of it. So I'm trying to. That's focus. how all that goes. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on the afterward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like you don't practice for the sake of practice. You practice so that the eventual outcome is what you want it to be. Right. Um, real quick closing note. Yeah. I. I don't want to leave the podcast with the listeners having the impression that I think. Kevin Spacey being on House of Cards is more important than what his alleged <laughs> victims went through. Sure. Obviously, that is not what I mean. I just, yes. I always wish that there's a way for people who do bad things to still do good. 100%. Yes. There, there, it, it is a, like, they need to be punished for it, but they don't need to be punished eternally for it. Correct. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. As long as they acquiesce, like, as long as they admit that they did something wrong and ask for forgiveness, then they should be granted that forgiveness after they prove that they have been able to move on from it. Someone that doesn't acknowledge that they did anything wrong gets no pity from me. Correct. But, right. They, they should be given the opportunity to make amends for the bad things they did. Yes. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for it. Uh, this podcast, everybody. So thanks for listening. Kyle, as always, thank you for joining. Yeah. And we will be back in two weeks for another episode of the Shades Everything podcast. Peace out.